Blog Talk Radio. We're going to sing about the faithfulness of God. Are you ready to sing with us? We're going to sing about His faithfulness. It's such a faithful God. I've seen Him show up for me in unique ways. You know, that's why I, I'm quite reckless when I worship. I start doing anyhow, anyhow, anywhere beloved. Somebody say anywhere beloved. Are you ready to worship God with me like that? That is the kind of worship I want. To put your hands on the tree.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Hallelujah, mighty Lord. Thank you. Thank you, mighty Lord. Thank you, mighty God. We serve such a wonderful God, good God, great God, awesome God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing, the opportunity to share your word, your gospel, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Yeshua. We thank you, Shahashua. Thank you, sister. Amen. What an awesome God we serve. What a good God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight, we want to talk about, hallelujah, what 1 Thessalonians 5 says, my brother and sister, which is about to be signed, uh, thank you, Lord, this Thursday night, September 24, 2023, that says that when they are saying, when they are saying, and they are saying it already, they're already arriving in New York City to sign the International Peace Agreement through the UN. International is because every single nation are agreeing to this. First, uh, President Biden is taking the credit for being able to accomplish, according to him, something that no president in the United States have been able in the past has been able to accomplish. And it's to sign the peace treaty between the Israelite and, and the Palestinian, which they say that the Palestinian will finally have their land, my brother and my sister. This is a historical, historical moment for the Palestinian, which is also a historical moment for the Jewish people, in which um, my brother and sister, we're going to talk about it tonight. We're going to share by the word how significant this is, what they're about to sign, the International Peace Agreement on the 21st of this Thursday. Vehicles from everywhere in the world are arriving yesterday, today, in New York City. The traffic jam is incredible, incredible like they've never seen before. This, this is, according to the media saying, this is going to be bigger than 20 15, when they had another meeting back then when Obama was in office, my brother and sister, the last day. So this is a lot bigger, bigger than that, okay? There will be ambassador and president from every single nation who would like to be a witness of what they're about to sign on Thursday, this Thursday. So this is big. This is really big, okay? So Paul says in regard to this meeting, that they believe will be happening, that UN International uh, um, Peace Agreement, that when they are saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them as a travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. So this, this international peace they're about to sign they, 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 before they, they wanted to call it uh, the, the peace between the, the Jewish and the Palestinian, and they refused to call it this now, because now it's where all the nations who had agreed that, that this will be signed. And believe me, it had cost the United States billions of dollars. 
and other nations millions and billions of dollars to get this to come to the table and be signed. So this is big for the world, big for the nation. Okay? A rabbi has said it this way, that this is a miracle of God. This signing is a miracle of God because it involves a lot. Like in Daniel 9.25 says, it was told to Daniel, no, therefore, and, and before I, I move on here, I want to go back to Daniel 9, because you have to, you have to uh, begin it with how Daniel come about this information, okay? It, it says that in Daniel 9.1, in the first year of Darius, the son of Suarez, at the seat of the matter, who was the king over the realm of the Chaldeans, Notice how the Chaldean were involved there. In the fifth year of the reign, I, Daniel, came to understand by the book of the number of the years. He came to understand by the book of the number of the years. According to the word of the Lord, the raptured in Thessalonian, according to poets, according to the word of the Lord. Very significant to the rapture also. Okay, and this is like the first part where you can find according to the word of the Lord. Well, it's like saying thou sayest the Lord. So, you know, the rancher is tied up to thou saying the Lord, according to the word of the Lord. Okay, so the first year of the reign, I, Daniel, came to understand by the book of the number of the years, according to the word of the Lord. That is to, it came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would spend 17 years in the desolation of Jerusalem, okay? Uh, it's in regard to the desolation, but it's similar to what the Jewish people went through in, in, in Babylon. I'm here with my brother Tony tonight, so of course my brother Tony would, would give me his input in all this and help us explain, brother Tony, um, how is it this is so compared to the desolation that happened in Jerusalem in the time of the prophet Jeremiah? This this seven year great tribulation. How do how do how does that compare? How does Daniel compare? It? Yes. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you know, uh, like just like the Lord said, you know, everything that that we need to know is in the Word, and uh, a lot of because you know Daniel uh, confirms, you know, the, a lot of the New Testament. Um. But uh, yeah, it's always written already, you know. Um, you know, it was prophesied already, and uh, a lot of like we just read, you know, about Jerusalem. You know, where that was for us now in these times. You know, of what Daniel said, and you know, um, you know, some things Daniel didn't understand, but that was for us. You know, a lot of the things that he prophesied. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. And look how Daniel received this information in Daniel 9.3. And I said my faith to the Lord God, seeking by prayer and supplication mm-hmm. and with fasting. That's the seriousness. Fasting talks about the seriousness of the person yeah. who is seeking the information from God. That's right. You know, so if a person, according to the Lord, if a person is serious, he will fast. Yeah. She's asking about something. Right. So it's like and ashes. 
And I pray unto the Lord my God, and I made my confession and said, O Lord, great and fearsome God, keeping the covenant and the mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandment. We have sinned and have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and have revealed, even by departing from thy priesthood and from thy judgment. Neither have we uh, hearkened unto thy servant the prophets, who spoke in thy name to our king, our princes, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belong unto thee, but unto us confusions of faith in this day. So confusion is part of the tribulation. Mm-hmm. So you cannot, and this is, what, this is why the rabbi talks in the way they do, and it's because you can't separate one thing from the other, which we Gentiles do all the time because of our language. When you talk about tribulation, the great tribulation, you're talking about great confusion, great desolation, great suffering. I mean, everything about the great tribulation is great, great suffering, great confusion. My brother and sister, untold and unheard. So this is why the Lord don't want us to stay, especially those that don't understand how great the great tribulation is. Great wickedness, great evil, great fallen ones are coming. They're very mighty in wickedness in what they do. God don't want us to stay behind because that's their great, they're great in wickedness, they're great in evil, evil power, evil witchcraft, evil sorcery. There have not been any sorcery on the earth so wicked until they practice it. And they're coming out with all that wickedness to destroy humanity. The Lord don't want us to stay behind for it because he knows how wicked it's going to be. One thing is injecting people, vaccinating, putting the mark in the right hand. Nothing can be more wicked than that. And that's what they're planning in order to get all these people like in the times of Noah um, on their site, completely all uh, confounded, um, bound, detached from their own body. By detaching the soul from the body, it, it, it just it gets people so confused, so so confused. Like I see many in hell confused. They're not in the body anymore, and how did this happen? You know, but confusion come by their own disobedience. Also, they got themselves in their own disobedience. Okay, it says so. You are unto the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel who are near and who are far off through all the country which thou hast driven them because of the tri- tra- tra- trespasses that they have trespassed against thee, O Lord. To us belong confusion of faith. All this is part of the great tribulation. And all this is what people are going to be going through. Right now, is there any confused as a shadow of what is coming? A simple shadow, and a lot of people are saying right now it's too hard. It's too difficult. Okay, the oppression is too hard. It's too difficult. And it's only a shadow of what is coming. Imagine when the original confusion comes. When they see this fallen one face to face. Can you imagine how confused their face is going to be? So Daniel said that confusion belongs to, to their face, to our king, our prince, and to our father, because we have sinned against you. What is the foundation of this confusion? Sin. 
And sin, sin is the foundation of all this evil. This is why God is telling us to repent sin. That's why God has given us Christ who went for us to the cross. So we have the opportunity to repent. If we don't repent, we're allowing the enemy to take advantage over us. Repenting is so, so important. Why are there so many Christians so confused? Because they're not repenting as they should. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness through Though we have revealed against him. See, what were we talking about earlier? He's merciful, God. His mercy endure for us. Look, he has not left us or forsaken us. As he promised us. Not leave, he will not forsake you, he said to the disciples. He's still here with us. His spirit is still here with us. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. He's with me every day. And when I feel his presence, when, I, when he ministers to me every day, I love it. But we must. Continue to endure and persevere, my brother and sister. Verse, neither have we obeyed the voice of our Lord our God to walk in his law, which he has said before us by his servants, the prophet. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Ye all have trespassed the law, even by departing that they might not obey the voice therefore of the curse that is poured upon us. The author is written in the Lord of Moses and servants of God. Because we have sinned against him. So it's been the act of committing the sin of, that these people have done toward disobedience to God 100% that what they have received has come to us. The punishment of sin has come to them. My brother and sister, because the word of God already has been spoken. Amen. So as Daniel is doing all this, he says, Hallelujah, as we go down, thank you, Lord. He said, incline that ear. And while he was speaking and confessing and praying, confessing my sin, the sin of my people, is and presenting the supplication, be so, Lord my God, the holy mountain of God. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the men gave you who I had seen in the vision of the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening of the oblation. Daniel comes to Gabriel comes to Daniel here. The angel of God, Gabriel, comes to Daniel to help Daniel understand what is happening. And don't be surprised if God is sending angels to people in the last day. What do you think about it, Brother Tony? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, he does. He, he always has. And, um, and he's doing it now. Yeah. The messengers of God are ministering angels. You know, yeah, they they're here to help us. You know, they're here to <clears throat> to help us, and um, and that it's particular in that one. You know, that was something that Gabriel, you know, came to. It says came to help Daniel understand, right? The uh, the vision. Yes. Yeah, for that specific purpose. Um, but yeah, they they they're you know ministering. They minister in different areas, and. Uh, are you here to help? And you said to skill him in, in, in understanding. Yeah. Amen. That's pretty good. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. So, 17 weeks, it, it, it says, Daniel said, saying, Oh, Gabriel said, that he concerning thy people, according concerning thy holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make supplication for the iniquity, to bring the everlasting righteousness, to seal out the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the, 
the most holy. So Dan, Gabriel takes Daniel here all the way to the end of the seven-year great tribulation because that's when the, the, the Lord uh, is anointed to, to begin the millennium at the end of the seven-year great tribulation. Yeah. You know, so all the way to the end, he takes the he takes Daniel to understand. But he says, 17 weeks are determined concerning thy people and the holy city to finish the translation, to make it, and then to sin. To, all this is for the end time, the seven-year great tribulation. Although some part applies to when they return back to the land, when they return and we're making sacrifice. But over here it says that when the third temple is established, they will sacrifice again, and that's in Thessalonians, when Paul speaks to Thessalonians. So it's the same thing that Daniel referred to. Know therefore and understand that from the going for the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem and to Messiah to bring shall be seven weeks and three score and three weeks, and, and the tree shall be built again in the war even in, in trouble time. Now, tonight we're talking about the trouble times, which is the great tribulation. Look when these things are built, when the third temple is built back in, what is the sign? It's going to be in trouble time. I was asking Brother Tony early as we were sitting at the table, Brother Tony, does this mean the great tribulation? Because that's what it means to me. Because when Jeremiah talks about it, he said, Jacob's trouble, which means the great tribulation. What do you think? And it says here that the temple will be built in trouble time there which is, it is meant the house of God, okay? So the question in the wall, it says the wall even in trouble time. So it's talking about the, the house of God, the wall. What does that mean? Is trouble time in great tribulation? Because I just brother, that's what I understand too. It's great tribulation. Cause some people say, that may be your opinion when you speak certain things, but this is not so much an opinion. This is a, a reality. And what they're going to sign this Thursday night, which everyone is arriving to New York right now, they got visa from the government. Even Biden, President Biden is heading there now. Okay, they will show him on the media for this great signing. No one can be asking for this. They all need to be a witness. This is a historical moment. International peace, they call it. They tried to do it years ago and call it the peace between the Palestinian and the Israelite, and it did not work. It never worked. So the UN find a loophole and decided to call it international peace. And that's how they schedule it for the Thursday, my brother and sister. And it's going to be all over the news anyway. It's going to take all the main television channel reporting on this. Because as someone was saying, whoever controls Jerusalem controls the world. And what this nation wants to do is control the world. That's what they want to do. They want to control the world. But there is a word that we were reading early in, in, in Revelation about the Gentile. Revelation 11 that we want to read. You want to read this, Brother Tony? Yes. Thank you, Lord. It says, uh, uh, and there was given me a read like uh, unto a rod and the angel stood saying rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein 
but the court which is outside the temple leave out and measure it not for it is given unto the gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot for forty and two months and i will give power unto unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand and uh a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth over there brother you notice that they say right or the bible says that it's talk first it's talking about the holy city jerusalem is the holy city but it's talking about the measurement of the temple of god by the time they're measuring the temple because it already has been rebuilt some Bible uses the word rebuild in regard to what we were reading in, in, in Daniel 9, when they're going to rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the third temple, and the worship they're in. Here it tells you clearly the third temple that they're rebuilding, what Daniel's talking about. But the court, which is outside the temple, leave it out. Because this is where all the army of the world come in to invade and take over. But it said it's given unto the Gentile. This part here for 42 months. 42 months, my brother and sister, is what believe the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. Revelation 11. These are the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. Where, well, the, in the first three years, they're going to build a temple. In the last three years, the Gentile have taken it over. So this is the last three and a half years that they have taken over the land. Now, someone said that if the Antichrist, if the Antichrist is not Jewish, he will not be allowed into the third temple. He has to be Jewish, my brother and sister, in order for him to be allowed, or he will not be allowed. But here's, here's the other question. All this peace signing, it is being done under the UN, which represents all the nations of the world, my brother and my sister, all the Gentile nations the UN represent. So the UN is representing the Gentile nations. So of course the Gentile right now are the one, as we can say, in power down here. Because the Gentiles are representing the United States, Russia, China, and other nations, which right now, as it was in the past, they were more than the Israelite, more powerful army, right? So God says in Daniel 11 that the Gentile, okay, is given to the Gentile, and they shall tread, they shall tread under the food for 42 months. What, is, what does that mean, Brother Tony, when God said they're going to they're gonna tread under the food? What does he mean by it? What's the meaning of it? Tread under foot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an army invasion, brother. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's an invasion from the army of the world invading Israel yeah. and the last. Great army. Which Daniel described that the Antichrist come with great army, like a flood. Yeah. It's another word that they describe it. Mm-hmm. My brother insisted. So it seems to me like they're taking it by force, not by peace. And that Israel will have no choice. Yeah. And when when it uses the word like in Revelation thirteen, let me let me go back there, Revelation thirteen. 
Thank you, Lord. I believe it's Revelation 13:5, where the Antichrist. Thank you, Lord. And it was given unto him a mouth to speaking great thing and blaspheming, and power was given unto him to continue for forty-two months. So notice how the forty-two months in Revelation 11 and in Revelation here 13 are matching the Gentile, are matching the Antichrist. So to my understanding, this is a Gentile Antichrist who is the leader of the world nations who will tread over Jerusalem, over Israel, for 42 months. It's not a Jewish Antichrist, according to the Bible. It says a Gentile. The same word for taking over Jerusalem for 42 months that God has given it to them to do so, it is a Gentile Antichrist leading all the nations under him, under his control, to take over Israel in the, 40, in the last 42 months. Because all the nations are signing an agreement. But the only nation that totally don't agree with the agreement that they signed is Israel. And there are, how do I say it? Because Netanyahu has signed yes with Biden. But he has not signed the entire country. Right now, with this signing on Thursday, Israel is divided, is what the media says. 50% of the Jewish people don't agree with it, and 50% does agree with it. 50% agree with Netanyahu, other 50 don't agree. So there is a division right now in regard to this signing, because they can understand what it means. So, but a rabbi who has great knowledge of the Torah, of the Bible, says, that this is a miracle of God. Because since 1948, 1964, 1972, 80s and 90s, all the killing and fighting between the Palestinian and the Jewish people has been because the, the Arab has said, the Palestinian has said that Jerusalem will be their city and, and that the Dome of the Rock is where Muhammad the prophet are saying there where Daniel came, Gabriel the prophet came and spoke to him and all that. So they have refused to give up Jerusalem. But in this signing, as the, according to this rabbi, by a miracle of God, the Arabs have finally agreed that they will only take the Golan Heights, where they got all the new homes they have constructed in the last 20 years, in, in the West Bank, which all the, the Arab people dwell right now, which Israel has been going in and out, uh, taking out um, terrorists, my brother and sisters. So after they sign these peace agreements, it, it will be illegal for Israel to go into the West Bank to arrest anyone because they will have no international power over it. The Palestinians will have their own land. They will, they will violate international law if they do. Plus, the U.N. is going to be in there. The U.N. has to make sure they're going to have to send in their, their own army, if we can call it. I forgot what they call them. The U.N. peacekeeper, usually what they call them, to enter being 
like in the Golden High, a lot of the Jewish people that have, that have their home there, after they sign this, they will be illegal to be in the Golden High. And there are thousands of Jewish people there, which are now refusing to move out. So they're going to have to move out. They're going to have to move out of, out of the Golden High. Now, here's the other thing I heard this week. Someone has said that a rabbi said that sooner they sign it, they're going to begin the construction of the of the third temple. Right next day, they, they, once they have the legal document, which is going to be signed, and they know they can begin it peacefully, they're going to begin it right away. And the temple mount, somewhere there, the rabbi have determined that they can begin the construction of the, of the third temple, that the Dome of the Rock, they don't even need to touch it. Because the Temple Mount is big enough, the temple can be built big enough, and, and they say that it can fit there without no problem. It's what some of the rabbis are saying. Some of the rabbis disagree with it, but uh, but they're saying now. I heard there's another another information coming out that by the first January first, of 2024, which is only a few months away from now. Is what they're going to begin officially, the construction of the third temple. And um, I think these days are important, and for one reason, Daniel said that the the building in Daniel seven uh, seven twenty five will be the bill again will be in trouble some time. And this official day, of January first of twenty twenty four. It really touched my heart when I heard it today, my brother and sisters, because I'm thinking, supposedly this is they're going to make this official in Jerusalem, January 1st, 2024, the beginning of the construction of the temple. But Daniel said that they're going to begin to construct it in troublesome time. And to me, troublesome time, that's the great revelation. And that's why I was asking Brother Tony. As we were reading these verses, Jacob's trouble, do we agree, is the great tribulation, Brother Tony says, yes. And in and, and order to, to get a more clear understanding, let's go to Jacob's trouble, which is in Jeremiah. My brother and sister, it's really, um, I don't think it's hard or difficult, but at the same time, it makes you think, wow. You know, it says in, in Jeremiah 37, Alas, for the day is great, so none is like it, even the time of Jacob trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. We know, because I know, we know Messiah will fight for him. Yeah. You know the Lord will deliver him. But when you begin Jeremiah 30, I want Brother Tony to read it all the way to verse 7. So we can get a better understanding what is going on on the earth during this time. Yeah. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a, in a book. For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. And these are the words that the Lord spoke concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. 
as you know, and see whether a man doeth thus travail with child. Why do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness? Hold on there a minute, brother. All what you see there, the man and the 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 man and the woman as a woman in travail, the man turning pale is nuclear weapon. A lot of people have studied scholars have studied it for years, and they said that this significant here is it. Um, I want you to read the entire chapter. It's it's nuclear weapon going off. And this begins on January 1st and 2024. How many months is from here to there? This is short. Yeah. This is, but it's in Jacob's trouble. Yeah. According to Daniel, the construction. So the Bible itself indicates how close we are. The Bible itself yeah. with this sign indicate how everything is. Because the church go home before the Great Tribulation. Right. So you can imagine how close everything is. And I'm not giving dates, and I'm not setting dates, because someone, even my mom called me on the phone, there are people setting dates, that people should not be setting dates, because only God knows the day and hour, and I agree with my mom, I say, yeah, people should not be setting dates on this stuff, because, you know, the Lord is going to take his bride out of here before it gets worse. And then I say, when God says, come into that chamber, until the indignation pass. The indignation is what is known as Jacob's trouble, great tribulation. So right from the beginning, before the great tribulation begins, God takes the bride out, bringing the bride into the chamber, which I see in the revelation of the Lord, as the Lord has taken me to the chamber, and seeing um, what the Lord is going to do with his bride us, bringing us into the chamber before the, the, the indignation passes. Because, you know, we're not, we're not here. We're not appointed to wrap. We're not appointed to tribulation. We're not appointed to judgment. The Lord has made that very clear. An example of this is Noah and his family. Yeah. Noah and his family, before the blood, sorry, before the flood begins, they enter into the ark before it begins. So Noah cannot say, well, I was outside and water was coming over my head. When No, before. And this is for everyone who doesn't believe in the rapture of the pasture or doesn't believe in the timing of the rapture of the pasture, needs to study. With Noah outside his, the ark, before it began to rain. And no, he was not. Him and his family had gone into the ark already. In the Bible, it's very clear, it says, and God shut them in. God still shut the door in when they had come into the ark. They did not experience a drop of rain over their head. Not one drop of rain. The church is not going to experience not one day of the great tribulation. Because we are not appointed to run. Because it says that the coming of Jesus will be like in the days of Noah. Very specific. You got to take God's word from what it is. God did it with Noah. He's going to do it with us. It's his promise to us. And he is faithful. The one that promises faithful. 
Okay, Brother Tony, keep reading. Verse 7. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. For it, for it shall... For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off his from off this from off thy neck, and will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall not more be served by him. But they shall serve the Lord their God, and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. Therefore fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, saith the Lord. Neither be dismayed, O Israel, for lo, I will save thee from afar, and thy seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return, and shall be, and rest, and be quiet, and none shall make him afraid. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee, though I make a full end of all nations, uh, whither I have scattered thee, yet, yet will I not make a full end of thee. But I will correct thee in measure, and I will not leave thee. I will not leave thee altogether unpunished. For thus saith the Lord, Thy bruise is incurable, and thy wound is grievous. There is none to plead thy cause, and thou mayest be bound up. Thou hast no healing medicines. All thy lovers have forgotten thee. The, they, seek thee they seek thee not, for I have wound, wounded thee with the wound of an enemy with the chastisement of a cruel one for the multitude of thine iniquity, because thy sins were increased. Why criest thou for thine affliction? Thy sorrow is incurable for the multitude of thine iniquity, because thy sins were increased. I have done these things unto thee. Therefore, all they that devour, all they that devour thee shall be devoured, and all thine adversaries, every one of them, shall go into captivity, and they that Despoil thee shall be a spoil, and all they, and all uh, that prey upon thee will give for a prey. For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee, heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord, because they called thee an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring back from captivity Jacob's tents. And have mercy on his dwelling places, and the city shall be built upon her own heap, and the palace shall remain after the manner thereof, and out of them shall proceed thanksgiving, and the voice of them that make merry, and I will multiply them, and they shall not be few. I will also glorify them, and they shall not be small. Their children also shall be as in former time, and their congregation shall be established before me, and I will punish all that oppress them. And their nobles shall be of themselves, and their governors shall proceed from their midst of them. And I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach unto me. For who is this that engaged his heart to approach unto me, saith the Lord? And ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord goeth forth with fury, a uh, continuing whirlwind. It shall fall pain upon the head of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord shall not return until he has done it, and until he has performed the intents of his heart. In the latter days ye shall consider it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So powerful. Powerful, powerful, because, hello, sister, women, these are all the promise of the Lord concerning Israel and concerning how he's going to deliver them in the great revelation. That is so clear there. 
my brother and my sister. Amen. But the part where the Gentile, okay, the Gentile here are going to um, throw in the holy city of Jerusalem uh, under their foot. And that is stepping on, no? Treading on, yeah, stepping on them. Yeah. For 42 months, which will be, we know the last part of the Great Tribulation, because in the first three and a half years, they have to have time to contract the temple. Amen. But this this is um, what a lot of people think is an abomination. Okay? Because they believe that Jewish people will not stand for it. But God says it would happen. And every time I read something in the Bible that God says it would happen, Brother Tony, what do you think? What do you believe when God says something is going to happen this way? And, and people say that, you know, they don't believe that is that the Jewish people will stand for that. Mm-hmm. Or that he has to be Jewish when it's talking about the Gentile. Gentile is Gentile. And the leader of the Gentile will have to be Gentile. Mm-hmm. Because the Gentile choose their own leader. It's like in this country. They choose out of their own people, their own president. Yeah. So it's a Gentile leader. The Antichrist, according to this word, is a Gentile leader. Now, someone had a dream, certainly, about who he saw was the, 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 the Antichrist, okay? Because the Bible talks about Egypt many times, okay? And the Antichrist will have to represent a pharaoh. The Antichrist will have to represent a pharaoh because... It was the it was the Antichrist spirit in Egypt that when Moses went to tell him, "Let my people go," what the what the Pharaoh type of the Antichrist spirit says to Moses, "Who is your God that I should let your people go? Who is your God that I should let your people go?" Well, Revelation fifteen five says. Okay, that talking about the beast, it was given to him a mouth speaking great thing and blasphemy. Power was given unto him to continue for 42 months. The same Gentile that trained Jerusalem for 42 months, the leader is an Antichrist. But it's a type of pride like the Pharaoh. Now, I want to play this dream that someone had about this Pharaoh Antichrist. That's going to show up soon as the real Antichrist, my brother and sister, who will trade Jerusalem for 42 months as a leader. Thank you, Lord. I wanted to leave it for last, but I want to play a little and then I'll leave the rest for last because we, we have um, other prophecy there. But I'll be back after the listen to this. I was bawling my eyes out, crying, terrified to death, sweating bullets, shaking, almost convulsing. I was so terrified of what I had just seen as I looked. This man was dressed like a pharaoh. He had all the Egyptian-looking garb on. There's a man comes walking out behind him dressed in a white robe. I noticed it's the Pope. And the Pope came out carrying a gold crown with jewels on it and many diadems on it. The Pope walks up behind him and places that gold crown on his head. And as I looked, the man sitting on the, thro- on the throne was Barack Obama. He was older. He had white hair. As soon as that crown hit that man, hit, hit Obama's head, 
something snapped, and all of a sudden I started hearing people screaming bloody murder. And, oh, my God, oh, my God. I remember them saying, oh, my God, the Bible is real. Oh, my God, it's all real. This is really happening. Oh, my God. And I remember somebody grabbed me on my shoulder, and it was an angel. This is what he told me. He said, look, everything that you're seeing is real. This will happen. This is the fulfillment of Revelation 13, 13. And when he said that, next thing I know, and I felt my bed shake, and I came back, and I was in my body. Welcome back to Cloud Nine Blessings, the channel that brings. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I'll play the rest later. But you see, what was the first impression when he saw this Pharaoh leader? His first impression is it was a Pharaoh. It was like Pharaoh back in Egypt, my brother and sister, Pharaoh back in Egypt again, letting my brother and sister um, um, letting the Egyptians go, my brother and sister. Because when, when, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire from the mist, look, look and behold, there was a burn with fire, but it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will go and turn aside and see this great sign. Why does it... Uh, bushes not burning and when the angel of the Lord saw him aside um, so that he turned aside to see who God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said Moses, Moses, and he said here I am and he said draw nigh hither put thy shoes from off thy feet for the place that thou standest is holy ground moreover he says I am the God of Abraham the uh, I am thy God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face from So he was afraid to look up on God. And, and the Lord says, Surely I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard the cries for the reason of the taskmaster, for I know the sorrow. Look what they were, and look who God had chosen Moses to send him to speak to. My brother and sister, they were in Egypt. A pharaoh was on them as the leader. And God is sending Moses to speak to Pharaoh. But when Moses goes to Pharaoh, my brother and sister, Pharaoh refused to let them go. Pharaoh refused. <coughs> Excuse me, to let them go. My brother and sister. But he says that I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptian. And to bring them into a land, through a land, unto a good land, a large and unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And then that land was the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Pharisite, the Hittite, and the Jebusite. Five nations, my brother insisted, who are still around about Israel. Okay? But we were reading a verse about these nations about the indignation of God to these nations, my brother insisted, because no sin will go unpunished. Unless you repent, you will perish, the Bible says. Unless you repent, you will perish, because no sin goes unpunished for God. And we have to take that serious, my brother insisted. Hallelujah. So Pharaoh, come therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou may... Uh, bring forth my people and the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh 
and that I should bring from the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses was so humble that he's telling God, who is he? Okay, because he had killed someone in Egypt. He was running for his life and all that. So Moses is thinking, well, if I go back to Pharaoh, for surely he will kill me. But then God told Moses that I end up got a Moses. I end up got a, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am, he said. And then thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am has said unto you. I am, I am that I am, God meaning he's the creator of all. And no one is like him. There's no other God like him. He's the only God of all creation. My brother and sister, but Moses knowing Pharaoh, he knew that Pharaoh was so prideful, wicked, and evil. And what was unfair was the spirit of the Antichrist. My brother and sister, the same spirit that will be manifest in the men of sin in the last day of the Antichrist. Same spirit that was in Pharaoh, same spirit will be on the last Antichrist that will manifest in the world. The Bible says that there were many Antichrists. Because King Nebuchadnezzar was an Antichrist also. When we talk about Antichrist, we need to understand what it means. It does everything evil. Jesus does everything good. The Antichrist does everything evil. Jesus come to say what the Antichrist work is to condemn people to hell. That's what his work is about. And Pharaoh did that. King Nebuchadnezzar did that. And there were many other. John said there were many antichrists among them. Truly, from the beginning, all these evil kings who worship demon and principality fallen angel, they had the spirit of the antichrist in them. And now we have a final leader now, or final true leader, who the spirit of the Antichrist is them. One is called the Antichrist, one is the other one is called the full prophet. Amen. And the full prophet is the, is the Pope. And the Antichrist we know is Obama. But the Lord will continue to reveal it even more because there's nothing hidden that will not come out to light. My brother and sister. The beast, the beast in Revelation 13 is described in such a way that he said, I stood up on the sand of the sea. I saw a beast rise out of the, out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his head, ten crowns. And upon his head, the name of blasphemy. But look what the beast, it rises from the sea. My brother and sister. And a lot of people know that in the, when you interpret a dream, sea is a Sea is significant of multitude. He rises from the multitude. And it has to be the multitude that governs, that has more money and power. And what other nation has more money and power than the United States? He has to rise from the multitude, a plenty. Another word for sea is multitude. But another word, another significant for sea is abundant, riches. There's not another nation that has more abundant people in power and that have more riches in the United States. So the word for sea in regard to the Antichrist is pointing now to the abundance and power of the United States. Abundance and power. And the beast will have to rise from the United States. The beast could not rise from China. 
the beast cannot rise from Russia and all this country because none of the country are more well-being financially or have not been well-being financially than the United States. My brother and sister, and the United States just don't represent the United States. All the European countries, NATO countries, are supporters of the United States in worldwide international other nations. So the beast clearly, by the significance of the sea, when they rise from the sea, is rising from many nations, many people, and many powerful nations like a European nation in the United States. These are very significant, uh, Revelation 13, prophetic significance. This is the beast. Obama is the beast because he's licensed from these nations. And another word from him is blasphemy. No one has blasphemed the word of God more than him. And that's what the Bible said. He will blaspheme God in his name. Obama has done that publicly, recorded on YouTube. So I don't know what other proof the people want. No other president have done this in the United States or in the world. They have blasphemed God and his word and his own people, the church. He says that America is not a Christian nation anymore in Europe. He has blasphemed God as Revelation 13 says. He has blasphemed the church as Revelation 13 says. He has been the only one that has said it and is still alive. As they look him back to Pharaoh times, he, he is the pure Pharaoh back in his time when he was holding captive the children of Israel. Same face, same, 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 same features, and same colors of skin. Now, some people say you cannot relate the skin. You can even relate the skin to the Pharaoh. He has the same color of skin. He has the same face features as the Pharaoh. And say track DNA of the Pharaoh. Egyptians, my brother and sister, same DNA, same blood, same everything of the Pharaoh, my brother and sister, and I'll leave it there in that regard. But it's something that if people want to prove, they got more proof in him than anything else. And then the dream that God is showing, the revelations, are really pointing out to who he is. No one... As they say back in the island, no one fits fits in that shoes better than him. Same size of shoes where he fits on no no other prison, no other leader in the world. Not even Hitler. Hitler had a spirit of the Antichrist in him. It had features of the Antichrist in him. But there was one thing missing, the color skin in Hitler. There were other leaders back in the olden times that had the same color skin, my brother and sister, but it was not so related to the Egyptians as he is. Because when, I'll leave it at that, because there's a prophecy, how they put him together back in the, how they planned him to be able to be born, the nation to be born. He was born specifically, as Revelation 13 says, the beast that comes out of the sea, upon the sand of the sea, Sand represents many people, and seeing sea represents wealth and power. So you got both there together. I saw the beast rise out of the sea, having seven heads, which are leader, 
ten horns which are leader, under the leader of the head, and upon a horn ten crowns, which are people set in place, ten nations, and upon the head the name of blasphemy. No one fit this more than Pharaoh. Blasphemy goes back to Pharaoh. Who is that God that I should, hallelujah, um, let thy people go? How many times did Pharaoh say he would not let them go? That Moses went back to, to him. The same ten horns that the beast has. My brothers, how many plagues there were in Egypt? Okay. How many plagues? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. We have to look it back and compare it. And and um, it says um, the story about um, thank you, Lord. I'm researching it right now because every play means something template. It was template, but every play also means something different and something biblical. So that ten play compared to the horn now, ten horn, you see, my brother and sister, ten play directly to the ten leaders. There will be ten judgment coming on different nations in ten different ways. Because ten wicked leaders will be on them that are the ten horn of the Antichrist. Ten play back in Egypt. When you look back to Egypt and you compare the Antichrist back to Egypt to the Pharaoh, the Antichrist at the last day of Revelation, of the seven year great tribulation, is the same as the Pharaoh. Same Pharaoh. That's like when the Lord gives people a dream like this brother had, he sees a Pharaoh. All the features of the Pharaoh, all the clothing of the Pharaoh, all the power of the Pharaoh, same power of the Pharaoh. But when he looked close to the, to the face of this Pharaoh, who did he see? Who did he see? Someone already that we already know who was the president in office for eight years. How come he is the Pharaoh? How come he is the Pharaoh? My brother and sister, years ago on YouTube, someone put the face of him together with the face of Pharaoh, and it's the same person. They will look back to the image of Pharaoh and compare it, and it's the same features of faith. Everything fits in, including the nose, everything. And the coincidence that his name is the same as www, sex, sex, sex. That cannot be coincidence. My brother insisted. When they put his name on the Bible code, Old Testament Bible code, his name is associated with a falling star. And the one that had God said, Oh, how, how, how thou hast fallen, O Lucifer, is the devil. The Antichrist is related to the falling star, the fallen devil of the Bible. His name in the Bible. What a coincidence. There's no coincidence in the Bible. In our language, there is coincidence. In, our, in the original Bible, there's only proof. My brother and sister, 
Yes, thank you, sister. Many signs point to him to be in the Antichrist. But in, and then the rabbi kept running his name through the Bible codes. And some of the rabbis said, you know what, we're not going to talk about this. We're just going to leave this alone. Because everything, they kept running his name, and they kept, say, kept relating him to the beast. It kept relating him to the Antichrist. It kept relating him to the men of sin, the men of perdition. All that is pointed to him, specifically to his name. And the sex, sex, sex is the other part. When they run his, na- his, his name compared to the numbers, Barack Hussein Obama is 666 in the original language. It, is that a coincidence? Oh, God was saying to us, there's only one man and eight trillion, eight billion people on the earth. There's only one single man that fit all the criteria 100%, and it's him, of the 666. You can, you can look at it any other way. You can, these, these runway, they study this very carefully, and they run it very carefully on the Bible codes. And everything they have run is pointing to him, specifically to him, out of 8 billion people. Is that a coincidence? And when it talks about the mark, it relates the mark. Let me go there, because you got to see this. He that have wisdom, let him that have understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a, of a man, a man, no a man. Amen. A man, a, a man in, in the Hebrew, a, let it be so. But here, a man, you know, the letter A is the highest level that you can give anyone. Even in school, if you get an A in class, what do you get? He is giving an A. This man of the beast is given an A. So if you take a test, if you take a test, if you take a test about him, relating everything that we're talking about tonight, he gets an A. Amen. <laughs> okay? The number of eight men. And his number is 600, okay, and three score six. Okay? Now, when you look up through this, that's verse 18, okay? Because the, the way to, to understand the Bible, you have to compare it to other translations. Because some Bible, like I believe it's the Amplified Bible, it, it gives you the, the, he that have wisdom, let him understand, let him count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, his number 666, is related. Okay? Here it is. And where his wisdom is needed. And I, love why, and I love it why the Jewish Bible say this this way. Because you, some people say, well, I don't understand this. Well, you've got to pray and ask God for wisdom. Because that's exactly what, what James says. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. And so this is what the Jewish Bible says, if where, is where wisdom is needed, because not all, those who understand shall count the number of the beast. Okay? Those who understand shall count the number of the beast. So 
is telling me that I should count the number of the beast, so that I should take his name and see if it will fit. They're saying to me, if his name fit with 666, he is the one. And, and, and what the rabbi do, they use other names. Like you, you can throw there millions and billions of names on the computer and run it. And the computer will, will remove all those names and will only leave his name. His name matches vinyl letters and words by words on every number. Six, six, six. This cannot be a coincidence. In the Bible, coincidence doesn't exist, especially in the Jewish Bible. Coincidence doesn't exist. It only exists fact. This is a fact in the Word of God. And and they can try to do anything to try to remove it, try to confuse it. They, they have people, they, they have higher. Because I, I was listening to a guy a couple of nine days ago. I had to change him. Because I know he's a higher scholar to try to say he, he took all the president of the United States, all the leaders, to see if, if they fed the Antichrist. And he tried to say that Obama is not one of them. Okay? And the reason is they have to hire experts to deny the truth. Because the experts don't believe in the Bible, first of all. They don't believe in God. They only believe in science. But then the best science, scientific in the world, are also the Jewish people. And they believe in God. So the best science will say, wait a minute. If we base it on fact, and if we say that the Bible can prove fact, because the Jewish people say it can, because many facts, even going to back to Thomas Edison, going back to the light, the fact is that he is a Jewish man. And the fact is that he got his revelation about the light and a dream from God. God gave it to him in a dream. And all these men, my brother and sisters, that have invented all these different things, have gotten it from God himself because they got it in a dream from him. My brother and sisters. So what I'm saying is that the Bible fact, according to Jewish scientists now, prove that he is the one, undeniably, cannot be denied, even if you are an unbeliever, even if you are an atheist, and you only follow the fact. The fact is that he is, if you put it to the proof, my brother and sister, the fact is that he is, because this was not made up by men. It's a simple fact that is there, with first, middle name, and last name, all marking 666. And then the significance of the WWW, that our internet is still run, being run by, which in the RFID, it runs our bank account. And our America, uh, medical records are being run also by WW. So the whole system that is being established right now that Amazon just began a few weeks ago by scanning your hand. I was listening to a guy today. I wish I had the audio. 
he says that the scanning of the hand will only be successful with a biometric chip. It cannot just be by, by your hand alone. Because Amazon had done it where you put in your card in the machine, it will scan your hand, and then you can just shop without the card and just scan your hand. But he's saying that it will be, it will be uh, established but I'm biometric. In another word, they're enticing people right now without a biometric in their hand. So they will have to get the biometric if they want to keep doing it. It's what Amazon is doing. Because right now, if Amazon keeps doing it the way they're doing it, they're going to lose money. Why are they willing to lose a few million here and there? So they can entice people. Make it seem to people that it's so easy and so convenient that everyone will say, it's okay, I want it. And then the biometric, the mark of the beast here. No escaping it. It's like putting food in a hook. Like sometimes I take my children fishing and they put bread in a hook and throw it into the fish and let the fish play with it and play with it. And then you put it again and you let them play until one of the fish swallow the hook. And then what happened? I got you. Going nowhere. He's already helped. And this is what they're doing with people. They're going to play around with people until they can hook them into the RFID. My brother and sister, look at it right now. Oh, you have to get the, you have to get the flu shot. You have to get the flu shot. And when you go get the flu shot, oh no, you have to get it with the, with the, um, with the COVID vaccine. We have combined it now. We have made it very convenient. And the expert was saying, oh, to the ambassador, to those that have refused to take the vaccine, now is the perfect time to get your flu shot with the COVID vaccine. Perfect time. You see how they're enticing people? One thing leads to another. The Lord don't want us to depend on medical people, medical field, medical medications. Because if we are dependable on them, then praying to the Lord to heal us, they may hook up and hook us up with the vaccine. And then we can't escape. We can't run. Because the people that are vaccinated have found out that they can't run. They can't escape it anymore. They're in trouble. And they don't know how to get themselves out of that trouble now. You cannot undo certain things. Yes, new COVID vaccine that they're suggesting for everyone. Because they're enticing people with the flu shot now for the winter. Get your flu shot. Get your flu shot. And when people go to get the flu shot, oh, we have conveniently... Uh, added the, the flu shot with the vaccine now. They're, they're, they're sending pills supposedly with COVID-19 to people's home. They're making it very convenient to bring people so to hell now. Very convenient. My brother insisted. Because that's what the devil wants. And that's what they're looking to, to do. My brother insisted. Hallelujah. I'm looking for that where Pharaoh said when Moses first goes to Pharaoh, but told him if he can find that for me. That that he, he tells Pharaoh to let the people go and for and Pharaoh who 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 you know, who is this God that I should let your people go? You know, that that's the pride of the Antichrist. 
That's the pride of the beast. Amen. So, again, Revelation 11, 2, but the court which is outside the temple, leave it out and don't master it, for it is given unto the Gentiles. The holy city shall, be, they, shall they threat under the foot of 42 months. The Antichrist, according to this, is Gentile. Gentile. For those that are saying that the Antichrist will be Jewish. Not, not what the Bible is saying. My brother and my sister. And it's better to go by the word on this. Okay? Again, do not mention the temple courtyard. Leave it out because it is given to the nations and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. The King J calls a Gentile that God's word calls them nations. Nations. So this is how we know, my brother and sister. Okay, this is how we know. Okay, some by seeing, it, it is really questionable why are some people are going to be turning a different beast in the great tribulation. I also want to share the dream that the Lord's given me a few weeks back. That if he doesn't take us here, out of here soon, we will, we will see people turning into beasts. And that's dream the Lord takes me in the spirit in the days to come. And I'm standing there. And I know there's an urgency for us to be taken out. And my spirit there in those days to come, I feel a strong urgency that we should run away, running high. In order to sign, I, I began to see people changing in peace. The great tribulation begins right away. And people begin to change in wild beasts right away, werewolf, devouring beasts, huge. And immediately I knew the howling would begin. And right there, the Lord let me know. If I don't take you, my people, out of here soon, you will be, you will be seeing people turning into beasts. Very, very soon. I mean, it was, I knew in my spirit within days from now. Days. And I got to keep repeating this because it was so real, so real to me and so shaken into me. I was shaking with what I saw, shaking, literally shaking I was in this experience. Because in days from now, people will be changing into beasts. And the Lord said he will have to take us out, that we will not see them change. We will not, because if we will stay longer, we will see them change, he says to me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for confirming it. The Lord says, yes. So, my brother and sister, please don't hesitate to be unrepentant. Don't put it off. Be in repentance. Every time I talk to my brother Tony, he says, I can feel. He says, well, what is, what is the word you use, brother? <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, it's like an urgency, yeah. That, uh, that what he has been talking about is about to be fulfilled. What he has been talking about, it's uh, uh, it's like an urgency in us, and uh, I've all I've I've felt this urgency for I've been feeling it for years, but not like now. Now is really like strong. Yeah, and and I sometimes have like uh, how do I say it? Like uh, I know it comes from the Lord, 
it's uh, like uh, glimpses, you know, uh, examples and, and all that. I know when it's from the Lord because because of, of how I feel, you know, and I know it's, that comes from Him. I know one time He told me not too long ago through a prophet, He said, uh, what you feel, come, I've given that to you. It's the urgency that of what is about to happen. And, and this has increased in me. And I know um, it makes sense because we're his body, you know, and uh, we're attached to the Lord. We're his body. So he's letting us feel what, how he wants us to feel, you know, in this moment. And so all of us that are seeking him and, you know, of course we're going to feel this way. You know, and uh, so he's telling us that, you know, we need to, you know, we need to prepare for what's coming, you know, and uh, first is spiritually, you know, being right with God and sincere repentance, and cause it, it's about to happen, it really is, uh, I can feel it, you know, I'm a, you know, I just know that, just like Elijah, you know, when he was, he knew that he was going to be taken out soon. So he, you know, he, he prepared, he told his, uh, Elisha, you know, the Lord's going to take me out soon. So he was preparing because he knew in him that the Lord was going to take him out. He knew he was going to leave earth, you know. So it's with us now. We know that we're about to leave and this is about to start, you know, all that God has been talking about. And so, um, Thank you, Lord. so this is it for us, you know, we're not, <clears throat> you know, there's, like you say, you know, he has been talking about this. It's over, you know. You said earlier the bride is, the Lord said the bride is ready. So those, all of us that are sincere repenting, we know in us and the Holy Spirit giving us witness that we're going to be taken out and, you know, uh, that this is it, you know. Um, there's no looking back anymore, you know. Whatever, whatever it's has been done has been done, you know. I, I hope all of us, you know, here are, in that state where we're, in, you know, rending our hearts before the Lord because this is it, you know, this is really it. And of course, we're another day in the hour, you know, the Lord can, can do anything because he's, he's, he's the Lord of time. He created time. He can do anything. But when he puts an emergency, that that in us, you know, it's we have to obey. We have to do it, you know. We have to just uh, listen and obey because that's, for me, that's how it is, you know, for me, uh, you know, I just know that I'm already there with the Lord, and um, we have to, we have to just get ready, you know, Thank you, Lord. no matter what happens, you know, we have to be, uh, we have to look at the Lord, we have to look at, on Jesus, because he's our everything down here, you know, without him, we cannot we cannot breathe. We will be dead without Christ. Like he said to you the other day, you know, if I remove my hand from you, you'd be dead by now. You know, you would not even be alive. Todd is, you know, we're, you know, we're breathing because of the Lord. You know, he's our, Amen. he's our, he's our all in all. And, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to be home soon. You know, I know I'm going to be home soon and I just, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people here too that are, you know, are truly seeking the Lord, and we're gonna we're gonna be soon up there. I can already feel it, you know. I I already know I'm up there, and and uh, whatever happens, the Lord knows, you know. We're gonna that wedding, you know. We're gonna be there very soon. Thank you, Lord. I just know that 
Thank you, God. Amen. Yeah. That's it. That's that's the yeah. that calling of the Lord <coughs> unto us to be ready. To humble ourselves. <coughs> I'm talking about Jacob's trouble. This tribulation is so close. Yeah, it is. Very close. Like never before. Never since this year began and I received the visitation from Father and the Lord. And God showed me the Antichrist, him he says he will allow him to take to take over soon. To begin his his, his kingdom. Is what he said. Not take over, but begin it's 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 kingdom, it's it's you know what he's going to be very soon, manifest himself. And I saw it, he showed it to me. And it, it all seemed to me like, wow. To be honest, it felt to me like it, it all would happen this year. But again, no timing, please. Don't focus on timing. We just know it's close. Even if it is tomorrow, we cannot time it. Even if it's a week after the signing, even if we're not going to see December, if this Christmas will be the last Christmas for us, you know, on earth, we cannot time it. We cannot say, well, this is the last Christmas. We just have to live every day for the Lord. Sure. Commit our life to him every day. Even if it's the last year, the last month, the last day, the last hour, we still have to live for the Lord every day, my brother and sister. Because when I heard this, that they're going to try to make official beginning of the third temple January 1st in Israel, something in me, when I heard it, something in me, and this is, was it CBN, TBN, one of those channels what they were talking about this, I believe it was. And something in me, like a fire, that burning in me, that this is significant, that this is something cannot be ignored. Because how can the rabbi in Israel say, we're going to begin January 1st of 2024. We know what's going to be signed this week in that international peace, which will allow them to begin the construction of the temple. I know some people say the next day will be beginning this. But the official day, January 1st of 2024, I just think it's, it's so significant. I really believe what I mean, because when I heard it, I had not been the same. A few hours ago, I heard it, and I had not been the same. I'm like, wow, wow, wow. I think it's just so significant. Because it's totally the bride with just a few days, you know, a few short time. We heard that this winter, it's a total winter from all the winter we've gone through, that the, we, we need to be prepared. The prophet of the Lord has said, this winter will be different. Which is, you know, it makes you curious. How is it going to be different? But this winter is different. It's just going to be different than other winter we had. To some people it will be really bad. To some other people will not. Now, we have heard that for this winter that there will be power outages. But severe power outages, like 
when the grid goes down in most of the country, it, it won't be up. Maybe a month, years, who knows? And this is the point. This is the wind that I pointed to. Now, someone was talking about the three days of darkness. This is another person I heard. And I'm, I'm going to play this audio a little later. I have it in audio. Some of the things that people would talk about it. I don't have all the audio, but I have some of them ready to play in the last hour. I would advise you to listen to them. Even Sister Barbara, Brother Dan, audio's there. Um, another sister there, there that got the revelation that said the bride is ready, um, is there also. And this brother that, that saw the Egyptian Antichrist that is about to begin the seven-year great revelation, that when he looked closely, it was a face he could recognize. You know, that was shocking to him. He says that people were shocked when they saw it. Could not believe he was the one. And why is his hair white? What is he trying to imitate with white hair? Brother Tony, who who in the Bible did anyone seen with white hair? Revelation, man. Uh, Revelation 1. Uh, that does say that. There's a wolf the hair that is white that they see him. In Revelation. The, uh, yeah, uh, when the Lord appears to John, right? Is that when he appears to John with white hair? and The Antichrist appeared with the same hair. Because mm. he, he's trying to imitate the Lord. Yeah. You know, he's trying to imitate the Lord with the same hair color that he appeared. You know? And I believe this is why you have to be careful with, with certain things. Because with his appearance, he's, able, he's allowed to come to Israel, which I know is through international law he's coming. That's why, it, that's why they call it that they're signing the peace treaty, international peace is what the UN is calling it. I have it here. I have this, their schedule here that I downloaded from their own page, and, and that's what they call it. International peace, my brother insisted. It is just so, again, there's no coincidence in the Bible, but, you know, the way these things are coming about are really shocking. And, and, and um, you know, it's going to shock a lot of people. It's just going to shock, shock a lot of people. And, and, and the, so Zechariah 6.12, I want to read this to you. It says in Zechariah 6.12, Speak unto him, saying, Thou speakest the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch. I want you to keep this branch in memory. He shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Look who's building the temple of the Lord, the branch. Is whose whose main name is the branch. Okay, by this time every Christian should be uh, acknowledged at this branch. Okay, so and then Zechariah six thirteen, and he should build the temple of the Lord. Notice that this this building of the third temple 
It's not by the will of man, as has been seen for many years and heard. It's by the will of God. God appointed someone called the branch to build this third temple. This is why this rabbi said this week that this beginning of the building of the third temple is a miracle of God. You don't know how many hundreds and thousands of people died just to wanted to begin the building of the third temple because they know it's so significant because without the temple, the Jewish people will tell you, Messiah will not return back to the earth. Okay? Some of the olden rabbis have said, only when they built the temple will we saw when Messiah return. Because the temple is going to be built. God appoints Messiah to build the temple. And Messiah is the one who chooses whom are going to be. In example, when God comes to Moses, he tell, he tell Aaron to choose Aaron and his, and his son for the priesthood. But Moses is the one that speaks to Aaron and makes sure that Aaron has the the garment and everything he needs for the priesthood by the order of the Lord. So it's kind of similar to that. So Zechariah 13, even he should build the temple of the Lord and he should bear the glory and should sit and rule upon his throne and should be a priest upon his throne and the council of the peace should be between him between them both. He is the only one bringing the peace. The everlasting peace. My brother and sister. Zechariah 615, 6.15 And those that are far off shall come and build the temple of the Lord. See, these are people that he himself chooses for to build the temple. He is the one appointed to build the temple. He says when, and he's now choosing the people. And those that are far off shall come and build the temple of the Lord. And ye shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. And this shall come to pass if ye will diligently obey the voice of the Lord God. So he said it will only come to pass when they obey the, obey the Lord of the voice God. So this is why this time for the building of the third temple is a miracle of God. It's not by coincidence because God appoints Messiah to build his temple. And Messiah chooses the people that he wants to use. Okay? Not by coincidence, by plan of God. God is the one choosing when, when the temple will be built. And it's going to be built according to his revealed Daniel in times of trouble, right in the beginning of the Great Tribulation. It's going to be rebuilt. Malachi, Malachi 1 4. Whereby Edom said, Where are the impoverished that we will return and rebuild a desolated place? Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall build it. And I overthrow down, and I will throw down, and they shall call them the border of the wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord had indignation forever. The people that are bordered to Israel, this is a regard to them. God will have an indignation against them forever. And God is a merciful God. If people repent, he will forgive them. But who are the nation bordered to Israel if we follow this prophecy now? Syria, Libya, 
Egypt, and Iran. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Praise you, Lord. Deuteronomy 31:17. Then in my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hear my faith from them, and they shall be devoured of many evils. Many evils. Those are the beasts that will be released in the Great Tribulation. And trouble shall befall them, so they will say in that day, How now did evil come upon us because of our God? It is not among us. Look, in the Great Tribulation, they can tell, they can say that God is not among them. Okay? Well, he said he will be with us all, all the way to the end. But why are people in the Great Tribulation saying that God is not among them anymore? Because the Lord takes his bride home, and he is for his bride, his people. And so whoever stay behind, they're not going to experience the Lord as we experience it now. Not going to be the same. They're only going to be whole great evil. This is what is about to come, the Great Tribulation. Deuteronomy 31, 21. And it shall come to pass when many evil and trouble have fallen them, that this song shall testify against them as a witness. For it shall not be forgotten out of the mouth of their seed. For I know the imagination and that which is, that they go about. Even now, before I have brought them into land which I swore. Okay? What is that imagination? AI. AI is their imagination. Everything that is an AI, that AI run by, is written in code by the imagination of men. But at the same time, it's evil. Okay? Evil. So again, AI that is being built now like never before, it is a tool for the great tribulation. But it's the work of evil men, imagination, codes written in computers to create these talking faces and these things that are taking millions of people's jobs right now and leaving a lot of people without, without good jobs and without food on the table. These evil imagination, again, let me read it. It shall come to pass that when many evil and trouble shall have befallen them, that this son shall testify against them as a witness. For it shall not be forgotten out of their mouth in our deceit. For I know their imagination. Imagine, this imagination, what people can imagine is what this company are paying them for. Write it in quotes. And AI will have the AI will have the interpretation of it. It's all AI. Imagination is all AI. But it's demonic. It's fallen one. It will be for the people that wish they go out of their mouth before I brought them into the land which I saw, and the land that they're in today. The sad of the part is that AI is even an extra in all over the world, and that most of all these decisions that our governance and leaders are making are being made through the communication of AI, communicating to the 30,000 particle accelerator, communicating with demons. 
Now, look, look at the problem they have created with these particle accelerators. The Earth is heating up 10 degrees every single year. It began a few years ago. This year, we experienced here in the United States and the world 10 degrees more from the last year that we had not experienced before. Next year, if we're still here. Some places in, color, in, in, in Arizona experience temperature of 136 degrees. Next year will be 146 degrees. Okay? My, and that's even in the book of Isaiah, that they will be this way. I have a verse for it, my brother and sister. 10 degrees every year. Next year will be 10 degrees more until winter disappears. I heard a prophecy a long time ago. That winter will disappear. All we need, let me tell you what, what ten year, seven year great tribulation will do with what the Lord has shown me. Right now, the temperature is, in, is about here, 76, when it should be 55, an example. Next year will be 86 the same day. Okay, seven years from now, at 70 degrees to the 76 we have now. Here in North Carolina where we are, plus 70 degrees in seven years, where we are, the temperature will be right this month, 146 degrees. Am I right about that? In math? I didn't do math. 76 plus 70 my brother and sister, 146 temperature next in the next seven years here where we are now. Who can stand? Look what happened. 80 city out west this summer have power outages. Hundreds of thousands of people were without power because everyone turned a high temperature of 136 and turned the AC all the way up. They knock down their power grid. Next year, it's going to be hundreds of thousands of cities without power. The power grid is going down next year, in the year after, in the year after. Because temperature will be here right now, 146 degrees. It's already been proven 100% by scientists. This fact, this is a fact, scientific fact. I was seeing this online. They threw it from last year to this year, 10 degrees more, the earth got heated up. 10 degrees more. Atlantica don't have the snow yet that they would have been expecting by now. It's still not snowing there. It's still in the 60s and 70s. My brother and sister, I had it. I had, I had even Moscow temperature to my, to my phones. So I can, you know, speak facts because a lot of people can say, oh, you're guessing or, you know, you, you this, you that. So I added to my phone all these different country temperature, and I can go ahead and, and, and look at them. 92 in, in, in Arizona right now, in the, in the daytime, 102 still this month. My brother's sister, even back in my island, you know, temperature 
still up at 92. Moscow, 55, 75 a regular in the daytime when it should be snowing. This month, anyone born in Russia will tell you that they will have 20, 30 feet of snow right now this month in Russia. It's 75. Are you going to get snow with 75 temperature? No. You get rain. You you don't get snow. Look at it right there, Mike. This is what I use my phone to seek out information, the research information, and have the proof. It's in my phone right now, brother. Tony can see it. Moscow, Russia. Yeah. 75. 75 temperature. My brother and So what I'm saying to you is, my brother and sister, the earth has warmed up, okay, about 30 degrees Fahrenheit since three years ago. And next year, 10 more degrees. So it's 75, will be 85 right now next year. Here what we are. That's a lot of heat that we don't want, we don't need. 70 degrees more in, in seven years in the whole earth. The Lord showed me I was walking the Great Tribulation like around six, seven years in the Great Tribulation. I saw houses here in the United States cutting on fire by themselves because of the heat. All rivers and lakes were dried up completely. Look at one of the biggest rivers in the United States, the Mississippi River, how dried up it is. Regular commercial boat cannot go on it now. Look it up. It's on the news. Search it on Google, on YouTube. Go on YouTube and put Mississippi River right up and hear the latest news about it. Terrible. Up North Lakes are drying up like never before. The Euphrates River is practically dried up. My bro- Look it up. Go on YouTube. Mississippi River dry. Oh, Euphrates River drying up also. And see it for yourself. Don't let anyone tell you. See it for yourself. That's why I have all these places in my phone that I can go ahead and look at it. My brother insisted. Everything is pointing to the coming of Jesus, to the seven-year great tribulation to begin. Everything, the earth, everything. Earth will not be livable in certain part of the United States, certain part of the earth in seven years will not be livable. Temperature right now in Arizona, 102 plus 1 plus 70. There'll be 172 in, in Arizona. You can cook meat at 150 degrees. You can set your oven I, I down there to 150, and you can cook your meat. Slowly, but you can cook it, right? 150, 170, you can cook it without any problem. You put an animal in the oven of 170, it will not last five minutes of life. They will be dead. There will be places on the earth like Arizona and California, which will not be livable because of the heat. 172 temperature in San Francisco, California, seven years from now. No one need to tell me that. I see scientists now proving it which I'm glad, but the Lord has shown it to me over 10 years ago. Took me there in the spirit. Had me walk there with the end of body or out of the body. I cannot tell you, but I walked there 
and I saw the building the house of cotton on fire on their own without nobody doing it. Look all the fire they had in California, Arizona, in a different place. In Canada, which is colder, Canada caught on fire this year. Next year, it might even be worse next year, California, Canada, and all those places. Worse next year. With 10 more degrees than this year. Right after this winter passed, it was still around. All the news are going to be bad about California. Arizona and other places because they got to 136 this year, 10 more degrees, 146 next year. Cooking temperature, the grid will be down, my brother and sister, next year. In a year from now, 156, like in Vegas, yes. Dead Valley, my brother and sister. It is all bad news what is coming, but we can always trust in Jesus. Now, the Lord says one thing here that we want to finish with it. Thank you, Lord, because God is good, and his uh, word is so awesome. Second Corinthians 4.17, read it, Brother Tony. Um, but, but this cometh to pass. Right here. Oh. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Light affliction. None of the things that you and I have gone through so far can be compared to what people are going to go through in the great tribulation. My brother insisted. The Lord calls these things that we're going through light affliction. What is light to you? Yeah, it's little compared to what he has. Uh, the glory, like he says there, light is just uh, it's, it's just little. Like it's it's uh, not it, very long. Is the light there the same word for this light? Uh, it, in a way, it is. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Because we're in the light. Yeah. We're in the light. In our affliction is in this light. Mm-hmm. So it's both light and light mm-hmm. affliction yeah. because they're going in darkness. We're in light. Mm-hmm. Bible yeah. and sisters. Right. So this affliction in light is light. Mm-hmm. And we complain sometimes, don't we? Yeah. Well, Tony, do we complain or do we, oh, we're so happy that everything is... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do complain sometimes. We shouldn't, you know, because... But like I said, that's why we, because, you know, we shouldn't be complaining, you know, because, but sometimes it just gets, sometimes it gets tough, but, you know, it's part of the, but one thing we shouldn't complain, though, because that's something that we were talking about earlier. God hates that, you know, it's. Well, sister said it this week that I thought it was so, it made so much sense. She said, if you're not being tested, you're not going to heaven. Yeah. If you're not in trial, being tested, you're yeah. not going to heaven. Yeah, that's part of our... If everything is good for you and everything mm-hmm. is going well and your bank account is full, mm-hmm. then you're not going to heaven. Yeah. You have to have an affliction. Yeah. And the Bible says it's light affliction. Light affliction yeah. So, what do you think? Yeah, no, I... I you know, I experienced for my own experiences, 
and uh, it's according to scripture actually you know it's when it says uh you know uh look at paul you know he suffered what did he say he didn't complain he didn't complain one time you know he didn't say oh you know no he said uh you know he just you know uh he said you know he did say the suffering the way he was suffering you know and and he got stoned, you know, like uh, you know, by the by the by the Jews, you know, and and all that stuff that they did to him. Um, but he not one time did I do I read in the Bible that he complained. Same, you know, he had the he still worshipped God through this. He you know uh, wow. praised God. Said you know that's that I've learned from that. You know, I said whenever I'm going through something tough, you know, I just bow my head, Lord, thank you. You know, uh, you know, just thank you, Lord, because this is just light affliction. You know, soon, uh, you know, and I remember that verse. That verse right there is always in my mind. It's light affliction. Every, you know, anytime I go through something tough, this is just light, you know, compared to what God has for me. He has more than what, what I can imagine, you know. So why complain now when something gets tough, you know. You know, just say, I just, uh, that's my attitude, you know. But I do remember I used to complain. And when I complain, man, it got tough. It gets worse. It gets, that's, uh. Um, that sound that the Lord does hate, you know, and uh, he doesn't like it, you know, when we complain. Amen. And, uh, There's a verse in Acts where the disciple, um, I believe they got whipped yeah. for the Lord, but they they praised the Lord for suffering for him. I'm trying to think where it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they worship God, the Bible says. Yeah. For being partaker yeah. of the suffering of the Lord, you know, and and they had a, a like a different behavior towards suffering than we do today, you know. Yeah. So, you know, we can learn from them. We can learn from the disciple. Acts five forty one. Thank you. Huh? Uh, Acts 541. 541. Thank you, Lord. Let me see. 541. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were worthy to suffer the shame for his name. Thank you. You know, because they, they had, um, they were retrained, these men, for the council, this work of men, it will come now. So this is when they retrain them, but then uh, they said that in with with him they agreed when they had called the apostle back and had beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. But they did the opposite, huh? That they parted from the prison of the country, rejoicing that they were kind of worthy to suffer the shame of his name. That attitude, a gratitude, it's it not seen, brother. Why is that? It's an attitude of gratitude that they had. Yeah. Um, yeah, even in their worst, see, they were suffering, you know, mm-hmm. and still in their suffering, they, it says that they, they rejoiced, that they were counted worthy. See, they understood very well, you know, mm-hmm. the way of the way of the Lord. You know, they understood very well that, um, it takes suffering to to enter to enter heaven, and, mm-hmm. and so and. Uh, but we know that before we we are transformed now, 
there's, there's a, a little polishing going on mm-hmm. before before the bride is ready. Yeah. But there's a little polishing going on with some of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Heard the Lord say yes. There's a little polishing going on in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're still going. I know that. <laughs> yeah. And that polishing, like when you're polishing your car, mm-hmm. you know, when you, you know, they say you wash your car, you threw, you took it through the machine, mm-hmm. you, all the dirt, all the dust, all that but it was removed. Yeah. The, you know, but then you take it to the parking lot and you take, you know, all everything you need to polish your car. Mm-hmm. Like this, you just want to do that Finishing touch. Yeah. You know, they, they even sell um, chemical now. They call it finishing, finishing um, wax, things like that. Yeah. And, and um, you can buy it in the outer part. And that finishing touch God is doing in our lives mm-hmm. right now, and it's making people uncomfortable. But it's a finishing. It's, it's the brightest ready. It's coming in. Yeah. It's a finishing touch going on mm-hmm. in our lives. That it just makes us a little bit uncomfortable. Okay, but all right. Let, let's hear this audio now, my brother and sister. I hope everything been a blessing tonight. Now we'll hear the confirmation through other prophets. We'll be back at willing. Uh, I hope Sister Carla will be here on Wednesday, but the body will be here on Friday. We'll be back, God willing, on Sunday, Sunday night before we return. The peace treaty has already been signed, which we we will see the effect in the media. We will see the effect in Israel, the people, how they're going to go about removing the people from the Golan Heights. That that's going to be trouble there. Much blood maybe will be shed. Let's see how all this is going to play out about. They call it international peace. I don't know how peaceful it's going to go. <clears throat> because the Bible said when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come upon them like a woman in travail. That's what's coming. Shalom, shalom. I was bawling my eyes out, crying, terrified to death, sweating bullets, shaking, almost convulsing. I was so terrified of what I had just seen. As I looked... This man was dressed like a pharaoh. He had all the Egyptian-looking garb on. There's a man comes walking out behind him dressed in a white robe. I noticed it's the Pope. And the Pope came out carrying a gold crown with jewels on it and many diadems on it. The Pope walks up behind him and places that gold crown on his head. And as I looked, the man sitting on the, thro- on the throne was Barack Obama. He was older. He had white hair. As soon as that crown hit that man, hit, hit Obama's head, something snapped. And all of a sudden, I started hearing people screaming bloody murder. And, oh, my God, oh, my God. I remember them saying, oh, my God, the Bible's real. Oh, my God, it's all real. This is really happening. Oh, my God. And I remember somebody grabbed me on my shoulder, and it was an angel. This is what he told me. He said, look, everything that you're seeing is real. This will happen. This is the fulfillment of Revelation 13, 13. And when he said that, next thing I know, and I felt my bed shake, and I came back, and I was in my body. In Christ, and welcome back to Cloud Nine Blessings, the channel that brings dreams, visions, and near death experiences visually to you. I hope that you are all having a very blessed week. Before we get started in today's video, please remember to hit the like button, subscribe, as well as hit the notification bell so that you are constantly notified when new content is added to this channel weekly. 
In today's submission, we are going to be looking at some experiences that were emailed in by our dear Sister in Christ, Maria. So let's now take a look and see what our Sister in Christ saw in her dreams. Hello everyone. I have a couple of quick dreams to share with you. Uh, I don't normally share my dreams. They usually only have relevance to me. Um, but I've had a couple recently that may be worth sharing with other people. Uh, I'll just get into it. I don't make videos, so I won't make this too long because I'm not sure what I'm doing. Um, so in the first dream, I am outside what appears to be a private member's club. Very elegant, very fanciful type of place. Um, outside this uh, private member's club, I'm given a pass, you know, the kind of lime yard pass that you'd wear around your neck. Uh, I'm given that, and that gives me permission and like authority to go into this place. It's a private members club and I am not a member. I'm just being given this pass and that's how uh, I'm gaining access to this place. I'm there with a friend. I can't see this friend's face. <laughs> um, the dream is very symbolic um, and nothing really directly pertains to my life. I don't know this place, I don't know the people, nothing like that. Um, so in the dream, I go in with this friend who also has a pass. Uh, we enter into the club. It's pretty dark in most places. They're people. They're enjoying themselves. They're drinking. They're they're dancing. Um, however, as we walk through, everyone is staring at me, and I can tell that they know I don't belong. I don't belong in this place. Um, and for some reason, they can tell. But they see my line yard, and they're like, oh, okay. Like, she has a pass, so, so she can be here. Uh, but they know I'm not one of them. That's something that's very clear to them. Um, I'm dressed in a white dress. So there are other people with all different kinds of, you know, elegant, fancy dresses there. Um, however, mine is white. So it kind of has like a bridal element to it, um, the kind of dress that a beach bride would wear. So it's not oh, overly wow. weddingly looking, but um, if it was in any other color, it'd just be a fancy dress. But because it's white, I guess people can get get married in it. So it looks a bit like a, a just an elegant dress, but in white. Um, so I'm not perfectly overdressed. I guess I'm the only person in white, but based on how other people are dressed very elegantly, I wouldn't have stood out because of that. But they seem to know um, that I'm just not one of them. Um, but that's fine. I go through because I'm, I'm feeling like, oh, I've got my pass, so it's okay. I can be here. Um, so I go through. I look at the rooms. I see what people are doing. Um, I go through the entire club. I don't stay very long. I go to another room where there's dancing going on. There's merriment happening, uh, and in every place I go, I'm being stared at. 
uh, me and my friends, because they can tell we don't belong here. Um, and you could tell if we didn't have the passes, they would have come up to us and ushered us out or asked why we were there. But as soon as anyone would see the pass, it was like, oh, okay. But the whole time they just kept looking like, what is it they are doing here? Um, which was fascinating, but I knew I had authority to be there just because. And so we, um, we go through the place, you know, there's dancing happening. We, we're not that involved. No one really speaks to us. They just look at us, but I'm there with this friend. I feel perfectly comfortable because my friend is there and I, um, I'm talking to my friend the whole time. Any dancing happening, I'm just with my friend and I'm having a good time and we, we see this place. And then we leave. And then the dream cuts to me being at an apartment, which in this dream, it's my apartment. Um, and while I'm there, I uh, get informed that someone very important is coming to see me. And so I uh, invite the person in and they've come with like, uh, you know how, how governors, or people you know who are from the government really important people have like a a group of cars that drive with them and they're in one um like black cars so they have that and they have like security and all these things um you can tell this person is of immense importance and so i'm in my apartment like oh okay <laughs> what's this about and the person comes through and it's a gentleman a very unassuming gentleman if you saw him you wouldn't assume that all that fanfare was for him like he was just a very polite dressed down person there was nothing about him at all that said um you know i am i'm of great means or great importance of any kind um but as soon as he arrived i knew that this person almost owned everything it was like he was the most important person he had the majesty of a king though looking at him you couldn't tell it was just something i knew that this person has immense wealth and immense it, the feeling was that he just owned everything so i uh the gentleman sits down in my apartment and he tells me um he saw me in the private members club and that he had been watching me um and that he was looking for a bride um and he basically from seeing me in the in the um private members club uh he had come to speak to me um to ask if i would be interested in being his bride which was rather interesting because it's like i'm looking for a bride um and so i was honored in the dream i was very honored i was like oh wow like this person would of all the people in all the earth everywhere um that somehow they would see me and think oh this person could be my bride it was it was a, a very important undertaking um and he proceeded to say um, he just wanted to let me know that, you know, being his bride was, uh, that it was very um, serious 
and that it wasn't going to be about shopping and fanciful trips and jewelry and, you know, just whatever things that I guess someone would think a millionaire would buy them or a billionaire would buy them or something. And I remember being, <laughs> I remember being rather, rather offended um, at this point because I was like, why would you assume any of that is of any importance to me? Um, the perception that I would understand was that he was looking to create a legacy, an important legacy, you know, like having children kind of came to mind, but it had nothing to do with, you know, being pregnant and having children. It was more that the word legacy um, was was what was important. Um, and I understood this. And so I was rather insulted that he thought by that if, if he was going to marry me, that for a second, I would think it was about shopping. I was like, I, I understand that it's about um, legacy. And so, yeah, that was... Uh, the dream he kind of just left it with me you know basically saying right i'm looking for a bride and you know it's not going to be about any of these fanciful things and if you can if you are interested in that undertaking then you know it's up to you and then i woke up um and that was the end of that dream um but i got this passage open because while i was in that private members club um this was the feeling that I had. Um, as soon as I woke up from the dream, there were a number of things that came to mind scripture-wise, and this was one of them. Um, and this is John 17. Um, it's the, the um, bit about Jesus' prayer. And uh, it says, uh, I have given, okay? yeah, I have given them your word. The world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Um, and then it goes on afterwards to say, um, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. And that was the sense while I True. was inside the club, was that everyone else there was a member. They belonged to this club. Um, however, I did not. I did not belong to the club. I was just given momentarily a pass to let me through and to let me experience it but I didn't belong there that was something I understood um, as soon as I woke up and then the other aspect about being a bride uh, if you go to 2nd Corinthians 11 um, there's this bit here that says um, for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself um, I promise you as a pure bride to the one, oh, sorry, <laughs> I promise you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. And that also came to my mind when I woke up because this person um, was asking for a bride. I was asking if I could be his bride. So he wasn't saying he definitely wanted me to be his bride he was asking if i could so there was a, a more serious undertaking um that if i were to accept then you know i could be his bride so it wasn't guaranteed that i was going to be his bride but i could be um and so that was the next thing that came to my mind and that was the end of the first dream on to the second dream 
So for the second dream, I uh, this was just last week, um, so August 2023. The first one was about two months ago, so maybe around June. Yeah, June 2023. Um, and this next dream, in this dream, um, we were at my a house. It was like a mansion. And in the dream, I was aware that it belonged to my stepfather. And so, and we were allowed to have a ceremony there, a wedding. Uh, in the dream, people were coming. The place was set up. It was already set up for everyone who was coming to this wedding to, you know, take their seats. Everything was in place. And I was the bride. So in this dream, I was a bride. But in the dream, I had to wait outside the house, outside the mansion, in a place that looked a bit like a gazebo, but it was a like a double-decker <laughs> gazebo. I've not seen one in real life, but in this dream, it looked a bit like a gazebo, so there were kind of no walls, and it was two floors. So on the top floor, for some reason, in this wedding, people would come in, they would drop their kids on the top floor of this gazebo, and they would proceed to take their seats in the hall um, through the house um, in the actual wedding ceremony. So it was like children, they were all upstairs of this gazebo. That was where they were going to be, all there playing and enjoying themselves, while the adults would go through uh, into the mansion to actually sit down for the wedding ceremony. So... I was sat there and I watched everyone come in in their full regalia um, and it was beautiful. Everyone looked so beautiful. Everyone looked so good. But I was to wait outside until all the other, um, until all the guests had arrived. And so I could tell it was almost time. I was sat there, but I didn't have my headrest on. Um, for some reason, I, I'm of West African descent and I, I had to have a, like, you know, something covering my hair. Um, I didn't have that on because it was quite fanciful and quite big. And I was like, I'll just wait till the last moment before I do that. And so I just sat there watching everyone go in. And then um, it got to a point where it was the ceremony was almost about to start, but not quite. And there were some people rushing in and they came rushing in and they were like, oh, gosh, we're late. We're late. Oh, we think we're late. Um, we're not sure where to go. Could you show us through? And I was like, oh, you know, they were roaming around and I showed them like where to drop the kids. And I took them through myself into the hall, um, not into the main ceremony hall, but just through the house and showed them the door to the hall. And I um, and they were saying, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. We're so late. We hope we haven't missed anything. And in the dream, I remember letting them know I was like they didn't seem to know I was the bride. <laughs> For some reason, so I'm not exactly sure how I was dressed. I just knew I didn't have my headscarf on, but I hadn't looked at my my attire. But for some reason, they couldn't tell that I was the bride, and they uh, basically said to me, "Oh, I said to them, um, don't worry, I'm the one person this uh, this ceremony cannot start without." Obviously, knowing that <laughs> the wedding's not going to start until the bride is there, but they didn't know I was the bride. So I just said, don't worry, you know, I'm the one person this wedding cannot start without. So you're in good hands. I'll show you where you need to go um, and you'll be fine. So I, I showed them where they needed to go through to the hall. And then I could hear, while just being outside the door of the hall, uh, that the master of ceremonies had started speaking. 
and which meant that I was going to be ushered in very soon. So, you know, the music, everything had kicked off. People weren't just quietly taking their seats. Everything had kicked off. The master ceremonies was now speaking, and it would be my uh, moment to go through the doors um, up to the altar any second now. And so I dashed back down to the gazebo because that's where I left my headrest. And I grab my headrest and I run back up the stairs and I'm standing outside the door and I'm putting on my headrest. I'm just quickly, quickly putting on my headrest because it's time. I can still hear him talking. He's making jokes. He's saying all these things, but it is time. So I put on my headrest and I'm looking at the mirror and it keeps falling off. It's not quite ready yet. So I put it on and it would drop off to the side because I couldn't quite tie it or, or get it on properly. Um, and I did that like three times, but it was so funny because every Ooh, time I looked in the mirror, even though I hadn't done the headrest wrong, I looked so beautiful. Like it just sparkled, the headrest. Like it, it was so beautiful. I don't think it, it would have mattered any way I put it on. I, it didn't have to be fancy at all. Um, I would have just been the most stunning bride that ever existed as long as I, you know, had it on. It was so beautiful and sparkly. Um, and so I put it on three times and it wouldn't quite go. And then the last time I just put, I, I decide I'm just going to do it very simply. It doesn't really matter. I'm just, it's so beautiful anyway. I'll just put it on simply. And I tie the, the headdress on rather simply and I stand there and take a breath and I'm like, I'm ready. Yeah. And at that point, I just get the feeling like the bride is ready now. Like the doors are about to open. Um, and then I wake up. And so I, I wake up and I'm like, oh, dear, like the urgency um, of that feeling of the bride uh, being ready. And this was the scripture that came to mind as soon as I woke up. Uh, let us be glad. And oh, this is uh, Revelations, by the way. It's Revelations 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him. For the time yeah. has come, the wedding feast. So exciting! Uh, the, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and His bride has prepared herself. That was the exact scripture that came to mind um, as soon as I finished. Um, that was the exact scripture that came to mind um, as soon as I had uh, woken up. So literally I woke up and it was just this sense of urgency because obviously in the dream I was really flustered um, and I was standing there just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it's time. Like it's almost time. They're going to call me in any second now. And then I was like, ah, I'm ready. And it was absolutely wonderful. But as soon as I woke up, I got this. Um, Beautiful. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride has prepared herself, which was exactly what I was doing at the door. Um, and then I was ready. So it says it in the past tense. She has prepared herself. It's already done. Um, yeah. And that was, those were my two dreams. Thank you so much, Sister Maria. Wow, those were so beautiful and so encouraging because yes, the Lord is coming soon and we as a church are his bride. And what a beautiful day that will be we see him in the air and we come together. So exciting. I really appreciate you sharing that amazing experience. The Lord is saying that 
Whatever Russia needs, America will supply it. Whatever Russia needs, America, God is saying to you that you will supply it. The Lord is saying that you will work for Russia until you don't have the strength to work anymore. Whatever the Russians need. He is talking about the time when Russia comes here for an invasion. The Lord was laying upon my heart. My daughter, are you aware of what is required for an invasion? And the question that was coming to the forefront as I was sitting here trying to finish up for the day. The question that was coming to the forefront is, have you ever seen people on an invasion bring everything that they need for human life? Have you ever seen them, if they have to march across maybe hundreds of miles from where they were in the old days, have you ever seen them be able to bring enough? And the answer, of course, is no. Historically, when you're going to do an invasion, it is understood that you are not expecting to be unsuccessful in your invasion. And so what you would do is you would carry enough for the journey. You would carry enough camels. You would carry enough servants. You would carry enough food, grain, animals, ammunition, whatever you needed, weapons. And you carried enough to help you cross the terrain. You carried enough to help you go the distance, to go the journey. But then it was implicit in going to invade others that when you got there, and we can see this all through the Old Testament for those who actually take the time to read it. All through the Old Testament you see stories of invasions and you see stories of historical clashes, not always between Israel and their enemies. Sometimes it was between different tribes, it was between different nations. What you always see is that they would carry enough to get them to where they were and then they would have enough also in case they had to have a siege. But it was a life and death situation because once you traveled all that way, it didn't have to be discussed that you needed to break that stalemate. You needed to break that do or die situation so that you would be able to get into the city and get what you needed. Because if not, if the invaders managed to successfully keep you out of the city for a length of time, then it is understood that your men would start to get diseases, your men would start to get sick, your men would start to to fall prey to um, fatigue because they're not warm enough, they're not getting access to living indoors. Human beings can only live outside for a certain amount of time. So ancient warfare made it clear that it was do or die. It really was do or die. And so to think that these armies that are coming from what God has been calling consistently here for the last four years, the North, an army out of the North, to think that they would come all this way and they would possibly be able to bring everything that they need to survive a long occupation. America, it will be a very long occupation. Russia will be here for a long time because they will claim this territory as their own. Russia is going to take this place as an annexion, exactly what you see them attempting to do in Ukraine now, and America is so belligerent and has so much to say. That is what is going to come here. I can't think of the prophecy now, but I said that America is going to become a colony of Russia, and a colony is something you take over, you completely take it over. So that, that thing, a colony, if you look at what the Commonwealth has done, if you look at what 
England did throughout much of its history, traveling to other places, taking people's lands, took people's freedom, took people's rights, took people's ability to sometimes even be allowed to speak their native tongue. They were not allowed to speak their native tongue. They all had to speak English. The, the language, the language of instruction in all the schools and in all the political centers, for instance, the, the language in all the, the social structures, everywhere you go in the stores, it, it was commanded for it to be what the British crown spoke, and that is what a colonizer does. A colonizer basically, a colonizer completely erases your identity because that is the point of colonization. Colonization is not a shared power system. It doesn't happen whereby an occupier will come and then allowed the conquered people to have their own system of government and to have to keep their own ways and to speak their own language. No. When colonization takes place, you take everything from the people that you have beat. And one of the prophecies for that is called the center will not hold. That is a prophecy from 2021 where I said that when Russia came, when I saw what God was showing me in the dreams and the vision, I saw in that prophecy that there is so much wealth in America, for instance. And I said that people will be shocked how much wealth there is, how much precious art there is, how much precious stones and how much silver, raw silver and gold and precious artifacts from around the world are hidden here in wealthy homes in America. And I saw when the Russians had conquered, because the Russians actually know those things are here, they have an interest. They also like fine art and the finer things in life. And so they went straight for the, for those things. And they went to what I saw were temperature-controlled underground basements, and they went and they brought out treasures that as I was looking at them with my eyes, I was astounded because I said, Lord, I did not know that these things were here like that. And so that is colonization. When you take the territory, that's not the end of it. You don't tell the people, govern yourselves and have some rights. America will be a colony. Russia will take away every sense of individuality. And as you listen to this video, if you're wondering why would God allow that, God will allow that because of the arrogance and the prideful heart of this nation, of the people in this nation. God will allow that simply for the sin of pride. Pride is rebellion. And the Bible says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So because America has refused to bow to Jesus Christ, because America has decided to cut Jesus Christ out of every conceivable part of life. Therefore, God's resounding answer is to allow this nation to lose her gods. And what are her gods? Her gods are freedom, the free country, the brave country. Her gods are patriotism. Her gods are the flag. God will allow, exactly as it says in Jeremiah 2, People to descend from the north, a boiling pot to come that Jeremiah spoke of in Jeremiah chapter 1. And then in Jeremiah 2, he speaks of detailing what he sees. And what he sees are the princes of the north coming down. And he says that they will set their throne, each one, against the gates of the city. That is a picture of being 
surrounded by strong battlements that are coming from your enemy. And so the Lord basically said, whatever Russia needs, Russia will get. Because, as I just explained, if you're not successful in conquering your enemy, then obviously you're going to be starved outside. If the invasion fails, then you won't be able to get the provisions you need and you will starve outside the city, but Russia will not starve outside the cities of the United States. God says that whatever they need, whatever they need, they will get from America. And not only that, the Lord says that it will be Americans who will perform all the tasks for Russia. Please hear me very clearly when I'm speaking this. The slavery will not just be to get on boats and be taken somewhere else to these brothels. That is only one part of it. I've spoken of gulags. If you don't know what a gulag is, it is spelled G-U-L-A-G, and you should look it up. It is a type of punishing work camp where unless there is an intervening circumstance that breaks you out of that place, you never get out of a gulag. It is basically a concentration camp where you work, and you work for the governing body, and you work with less food, less care, less shelter, less of everything that keeps people alive until finally, finally life is lost. Finally, a person can't keep working at that pace and eating small amounts of food, eating rations. And when you're sick, you don't get medical care. You just get the basic medical care just to stop you from dying. People see you as a, the captors see you as a work resource. And so Russia is going to come here and set up a kingdom, a kingdom, a a whole society, just the way you would see the British sitting all the way in India where they never belonged, sitting completely out of place in another country and ruling it as their own and putting an indelible stamp of the British crown, the British way of life, having tea in the afternoon, having tea three times a day, putting that stamp on foreign nations, which is why the Commonwealth still exists today in the same way, whatever Russia needs. And this includes their sexual needs. Please understand. I've said these things many times before, but the Lord was just saying, He was just saying, whatever Russia needs, America will supply. Whatever work that is needed to be done, please understand that you've heard in these prophecies that Russians will take the houses they will, they will live in the houses because they're not going to live in the streets. Exactly how it was when the Nazis took over in anywhere else that they were able to occupy Austria, they were able to occupy Poland, they were able to occupy France. Wherever they moved, they took the best houses, they occupied and they became the ruling class of a sort. That is what captors do. And so that is simply what God is saying. Whatever Russia needs, America is going to supply it. If, if because of bombing, perhaps a certain area is not being supplied with proper water, and maybe there's water in a river 20 miles away, then it will be Americans. Picture of just picture 30 or 40 men in a truck, a big truck, or perhaps 10 men or 20 men in a big truck. And they will take people down there to that river to fill large drums. And then people will have to bring that water back to the houses. 
and it will be American men who carry that water up to the bathrooms and carry the water into the kitchens and American women who will have to do the cooking, exactly how slavery looked. Please understand, exactly how slavery looked in the old days with um, the African-Americans, Africans at that time, supplying all the labor for white homes, doing all the work, doing all the agriculture, doing all the child raising, doing every menial task, every tiring task, every exhausting task, and not having adequate conditions of food and shelter and personhood and freedom. That's exactly how it will be. And so as you listen to these prophecies and you still think that someone is taking time at this hour to just say whatever, then that's something that you're going to have to work out by yourself. Whatever they need, they will get. Whatever they need, they will get. If they need a servant, they will have ample servants to pick from. There will be people kept here to do all the manual labor, to do all the digging, to do all the planting, to do all the harvesting. It will not only be that people will be taken to the various centers of the world that Russia will be ruling at that time where they will need labor. Russia is going to expand very greatly and they will need labor and they're going to get that labor from here and perhaps anywhere else that they conquer. But for my part, I am limited to here. They will definitely take slave labor from here and China will too. So as you are hearing the prophecies of the master's voice, I have suggested on almost every occasion that you should go to the Master's Voice Prophecy blog and listen to the prophecies for yourself. The blog address is www.the-masters-voice.com. On that website, you will see a menu at the top. Those are helpful headings. I have to admit that the headings have not been updated in a while, but then most people who come to the Master's Voice have never actually bothered to go to the blog. And there's a distinct difference between a person who just thinks that watching videos all day is going to cut it, is going to prepare you for what is ahead, and people who actually go back to take the time to read the speech of God. As you are reading God's words in his own tone, in his own cadence, and then you have your Bible with you to go to prophetic books like Ezekiel and Jeremiah. If you have not gone through the book of Ezekiel and the book of Jeremiah by now, and you call yourself a long-time Master's Voice listener, then there's a disconnect somewhere because what you're doing is you're relying on me to relay to you what God is saying when the entire point of this blog, the reason that it exists, the reason that the Lord sent me was to prophesy what he has to say so that people will be convicted of the sin, hearing the sin, hearing the rebellion, hearing the abortion, hearing the, the alternate lifestyles, the perversion, hearing all that to become cut in the heart and say, I must pivot. I must turn back to God. I have to go back to God, not only to pray about these prophecies, to pray about what I have heard. I have to go back to God for my own safety. I have to return to the safety of the master's sheepfold. The life that I'm living is not satisfactory according to the Bible now that I've started reading it. If you haven't gone back to the word of God, if you haven't gone back to your prayer closet by now and all you're waiting for is video drops, 
I can promise you that something is severely wrong. And I can also promise you that when the time comes where this entire nation will be tested as by fire, this is metaphorical fire. This is literal fire, literal nukes raining down from the sky on American cities. This nation has never been nuked. This nation has never even had small bombs. This nation has experienced nothing except its own false flags. So the day that the attacks become real, I hope that it is not video subscriptions that people would have been depending on. I hope that by that time you would have returned to the garden of your faith and started to seriously, seriously, seriously work on it or there is going to be wailing from the camp of the unbelievers, the mockers and the scoffers who say that nothing here is true. And then there's going to be wailing from within the house of God because the Bible does say that judgment begins at the house of God. And the judgment of the saints, real and fake, true and tears, will be, did you store up spiritual grain for your survival in the good times or were you simply waiting to survive by videos and lackluster prayer, weak prayer, hardly any Bible study. There's no shortcut to building up faith. There's absolutely no shortcut. Each and every single one of us has to put in the time or when the trial by fire comes, then we will see who was building with wood and hay and straw, and we will see who was building with gold and silver and precious stones. So this is the word that God has brought upon my heart now. There's just not much time to make an official video, so this will suffice. This is as good as as good a communication as any. God says that Russia will not lack for anything. They will survey the land, and everything that their eye sees will be theirs. And there was a prophecy to that effect where God says that they have already taken a catalog of everything. And this is not a catalog from the Kremlin. This is a catalog from within the nation. He says that they have even cataloged the animals that are in the national parks. So I want you to think about that kind of meticulous approach to what these people will do. There are, I do not know a number, but there are a ton of them in the country already. And they're not all military walking around or hidden in some mountain or something like that. They are embedded in the population. The Lord said that they're in the highest offices of the political arena. They are the stars that people love. And they are as as American as Americans. So this is a situation where information from within is being fed without. And those without are then using it for the day that they will come up to the city gates with a certain amount of provisions that they packed and then they will be let in and they will survey the land, set up their thrones, as it says in Jeremiah chapter 2, and then will begin a brand new era for the nation that would not bow its knee to Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord grant you the grace to progress beyond whatever point, whatever place that you may have become stuck at. Phone bill is going to need the imprint of your hand. So as he was speaking, please try to use your imagination because as the Lord is speaking to me, the pictures just come up. So you see the hand and the hand is out to give um, to give 
biometric information. So collecting your fingerprints, collecting your palm print, collecting hair samples, collecting saliva, this is all biometric data. It's it's tied to a particular human being. It cannot be faked. No one can fake your fingerprints. No one can fake the, fake the samples of your saliva in DNA. And so these things are going to be required to pay your phone bill, to pay your light bill, to get an apartment, things like that. And it's not just going to be your fingerprint, as I was seeing. God was showing me that they're going to escalate it to need the entire um, print of your palm, and then transfers will happen. So money transfers will happen, or that's how you will identify yourself. And I saw this vision of people standing in these really long lines, and they were waiting to get their palm print taken. So what I saw was two different types of consoles, and may the Lord help me to explain, because some of these things, I cannot find a single picture for them online, and that's very easy to explain why they're not here yet. I saw that there will be a console that comes up out of the ground as soon as you are approaching. So you're going to be in this place, and it's going to be like a dais, right? And they're going to be different different stations. So as the people stand in line, when they say next person, then you go to the dais, and as you're approaching, this console will grow out of the ground. It is made of... I don't think it's made of glass, but it looks like glass. It is made of a clear plastic. And the only thing that I can mm, relate it to is these new fancy pulpits that some pastors use now where the whole thing is very hard plastic and you can see the, the pastor through the pulpit. They're no longer using wood pulpits. So the stand will come out of the ground and it's a clear plastic in Inside the plastic is this particular blue light. I have spoken of this blue lighting before. We're going to see that blue lighting all over the beast system. I don't know what that color means to the beast, but I simply know it is going to be used a lot. The stand is transparent, and inside it is this beautiful light blue light. And it comes up and it spreads a little bit. And you put your palm on the console, and then it collects your biometric data like that. There's other an, another type of console that doesn't grow up out of the ground. It's already going to be affixed in place. It is a black console, and it has this blue lighting around the rim. So when it's active, when you're using it, a blue line is going to appear around the rim. And this blue line, the best I can show it, I went online and I found somebody, you know, selling speakers. But if you can see that speaker with that blue line, that's how that blue line is going to indicate when something is happening, when there's activity. I saw smart doors in the future. And when the smart door is active, meaning that you can walk through it, it's going to have that blue line around it that shows this door is active. It's open. You can enter this room. You can enter this place. But when the door is not active, it is going to have an orange rim around it or a red rim around it that shows you cannot go through here. This door is Sealed, you may not enter. And so. Pretty wild. Take a look. Can you think about a, an area or a world where all you would need to pay for your groceries is your hand? Yes, Amazon now bringing its pay by palm technology to Whole Foods. It will soon be in more than 500 Whole Foods stores by the end of the year. Consumers who choose to use the program called Amazon One won't need their wallet or a cell phone to pay. They can simply hover their palm over the Amazon device. However, of course, not everybody's on board with paying by palm. Some privacy experts have raised some concerns about sharing biometric data with Amazon. 
And so people will give so much biometric data to the beast. And I've shared that in many, many, many prophecies on the master's voice that the beast is going to empower himself by collecting as much data about you as possible so that you're not a flat one dimensional being so that you're not just celestial on file. Right now, the information they would have on file is maybe your fingerprint because you've traveled and also they would have some medical data, but this is going to be so pervasive. It's going to cover everything about you. And so the palm scans, they will move to scanning your palm because they will tell you that fingerprints are not secure. So that is what I saw in this dream. They would say that fingerprints are old technology and they will, you will start hearing. This is how you know that the Lord is telling you the truth on this channel. The news will tell you. The news and the, and the articles that you read in your daily life, they will confirm to you that the stuff you read on this blog, which is so far ahead of its time that I can't even find a lot of pictures for what I see, you will start to see it pop up on the news and then you will know that God was telling you that this was really coming. They will say that fingerprints are old technology and that fingerprints can be hacked and fingerprints can be... Um, you know the, the Mission Impossible movies with Tom Cruise that he did have a little peelable thing on his fingers. And so they will say, oh, no, that's possible, and the criminal, criminals can do that, but nobody can fake your palm, your whole palm. And so they will want to collect palm information. Soon you will be able to pay for groceries at every Whole Foods in the U.S. with just a swipe of your hand. Amazon says that the pay-by-palm technology will be at all of those stores nationwide by the end of the year. Customers just have to hover their hand over the device to pay. This method is already being used at 200 Whole Foods locations across 20 states, and you can also find it in other places, stores like Panera Bread. Hardware editor at TechCrunch, Brian Heater, joins us now. Brian, let's just start off. Tell us how this technology works. Sure. So in terms of the actual enrollment process, the first time you go to one of these Amazon One locations, you wave your hand over it. That will enroll it you in the program, and then you associate that with a, a credit card that you have on file. In terms of the actual underlying technology behind it, it, it's not actually getting a read of the palm itself, which, you know, I think is, is what most people expect. It's actually taking a look at the uh, the vein patterns underneath your hands, which Amazon is, is effectively saying is, um, is, is a way to do this kind of biometric identification without actually giving any uh, identifying information away. That's fascinating. I mean, I think anybody who hears this story immediately goes to questions about safety, privacy, the data that's being collected. Amazon has been criticized in the past for some of the data that they collect and their uh, whether they have properly notified consumers about that. What, is, what safeguards is Amazon taking? Sure. Well, the primary one is all of this is going through uh, Amazon's cloud servers. So this is encrypted information. Um, Amazon has generally done a good job of, of, uh, of protecting privacy through the cloud itself. Um, you know, I think one of the sort of bigger concerns around this specifically is that unlike the biometric data that you're giving on your phone, for example, that, that's stored locally on the device itself, but this is, this is going up into the cloud. So like theoretically, somebody could potentially grab that data, but it's, good, it's, it's intensely difficult. All right, very interesting stuff. Very controversial new Whole Foods in Washington, D.C. You have to scan to check in. You have to scan to check out. You have to scan to leave the checkout. 
and then you have to scan to leave the store. So just a heads up, you guys all might need to now protect your palm. Uh, Amazon has just released this new system called Amazon One, where you pay with your palm. It's pretty cool. Um, my friend is about to set up hers right now. Um, you pretty much put your right hand over the scanner after you insert your card. Um, you scan your right hand, then you scan your left hand, which is the palm of your hand. And when you get to the cashier, instead of um, inserting your card and using Apple Pay or whatever, you just use your palm, scan, and go. Um, not gonna lie, it's pretty cool, it's pretty fast. So protect those palm at all risks. I'm just saying, hey, don't be leaving your hand out here. Not protected. But hey, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. A new way to check out could come in handy. Amazon says by the end of this year, customers at all Whole Foods stores in the U.S. can pay with their palms. This is my total. This is my palm. This is me scanning it. The system uses biometric technology. First, users can enroll by inserting a credit card. Then they hover a hand over a special camera, which scans the lines and veins and links the payment to their unique palm print. You ready? The next visit to the store, they just scan their hand to pay. I was really excited because I've been hearing about this for a long time. Maxine Most tried it at her local Whole Foods. She's one of three million who have signed up so far. It's way easier for me to go to Amazon and just stick my hand over their little reader than it is for me to worry about whether I have my wallet. Still, those who opt in may be giving up all kinds of personal information that could be used for advertising and tracking. I am sure that Amazon and other organizations are going to scale this technology very quickly if it means that uh, they're able to get uh, more revenues. Amazon says the system is secure and that it won't share the data. But this tech analyst warns there are always risks. So from a privacy standpoint, from a security standpoint, from the fact that what happens if this information was to ever get breached and get into the hands of wrong people. You can go ahead. Yet paying by palm is going mainstream. Panera Bread and Starbucks are testing out the tech. Some sports stadiums are also on board. For me, I will never do that because it's your security, right? Outside of Whole Foods in Toronto, shoppers weighed in. It's easier. You don't have to fumble for a credit card or anything. We appreciate technology, of course. Yeah, it has made our lives easier, but enough is enough. No word yet on when this might roll out north of the border. So it could be a while before Canadians can experience it firsthand. Nisha Patel, CBC News, Toronto. And we look at it and we're allowing this to go on and we don't know that they're actually building this tech for the world that is going to highly depend on reading us this way. This computer could pick up mood, body temperature, body language, facial expression, and many other things that we as natural human beings, we can pick up on that because God has given it to us as part of our inbuilt mechanism. And so I knew that if this computer could pick up that I was angry at being there, automatically it would make a negative report against my name. And so... I, if it made a negative report, it would affect my credit society score. That, that's what I was calling it in this dream, the credit society score. And the credit society score, which is just the social credit score, is going to be a number that is a general scorecard that will control your life. If it falls low enough, you will be excluded from all natural rights.
And when I say natural rights, you have the right to education, you have the right to food, you have the right to housing, you have the right to free speech, you have all these rights. But in this world, exactly as you have seen in 2020 and 2021, these things are going to be somehow taken from you without your knowledge, and then you'll be told, if you do this, and if you do that, you can go outside. And if you do this, you can have this right back. But the reason that many people are angry now is because they're thinking, wait, I was born with these rights. These are natural rights. When did I lose these rights? And why do I have to now go and line up for the harm that causes harm before I can do this? Why do I have to line up for the harm that causes harm before I can go to a restaurant or have this right? These are my natural rights. But in that world, all your natural rights will be gone and the social credit score will determine how many rights you can get back. And if it falls low enough, you will lose those rights. And if it's high enough, you can keep those rights. And so right there, you see the incentive in human beings to keep those rights. People will do anything to keep their score high enough so that they can have those things, which to tell you the truth naturally belong to them. This social credit score will either mark you as a model citizen or you can lose it low enough and be marked as a rebel because these metrics will cover everything. The Lord said it will cover how you pay your bills and how you perform at work. And these are things you can control. But your social credit score will also cover how other people feel about you and whether enough people like you or not and how they see you. And these are things that you cannot control, but you will still be judged on them because it is your social credit. And so this credit society score, the social credit score will be the go-to number that determines everything about your life, what job you can apply for, what apartment you can rent, what car you're eligible to drive. And if any upgrades can be add it to your account. You've got a medium credit score. You have the money. You want to fly. Let's say you want to fly first class. You know, you and your wife, you're going on a honeymoon. You want to fly first class. You've got the money to pay for it, to upgrade your ticket. But your credit society score says that you cannot upgrade because you don't have enough social credit to qualify for the niceness of a privilege like flying first class. And so it is it will be very stressful living in that world. And people who tend to lose their temper a lot, people who always need to share their opinion, you out there, you know exactly who I'm talking to. You know yourself. You know that people can't say anything and you pick your battles and be quiet, maybe because you know more or maybe because you simply know that it's not worth the effort. You just have to say something. To all you say something, people, I feel bad for you because you are not even going to last 10 minutes in in a world where uh, keeping your head on your body will depend on knowing how to control your tongue. Let this be just a free warning to someone out there. And so... They're constantly monitored by facial recognition cameras that are able to instantly put a face to a name. Now the Chinese are also ranked, given a mark out of a possible 950 points. A score in the 700s is considered good, around the 500 mark is not. For now, the number is a sort of bank credit rating, keeping track of everyone's spending habits. I think being ranked is a good thing. A society has to have rules. It forces us to be well-behaved. It may seem scary, but it's just like that here. We're used to it, and anyway, we don't have a choice. But in an effort to keep all of its subjects in line, Beijing is taking the system a step further in 2020. It's aggregating data gathered by banks, private companies, and the state, 
to rate if someone's a good or bad citizen. By using the most data possible, the so-called big data, the system will play an important role in rebuilding a moral society. The state will go over every detail of a person's life with a fine-tooth comb. A financial situation, spending habits, career, even behavior on social media. Criticizing the government online or displaying outward signs of wealth is a no-no. On the other hand, raising the party or giving blood increases your social credit. Xiao Wen Wang is a model citizen. She lives in Nanjing, a testing ground for social ranking. Married with a child, she has a job in a retirement home, no debts, and she wouldn't dream of jaywalking. As a good citizen, I respect the rules of the road. If I didn't, I'd lose points on my social credit. In theory, everything can be taken into account in the social score, even the most innocuous errands like supermarket shopping. When Xiao Wen Wang makes an electronic payment, her purchases tell the state a lot about her. Buying cigarettes would count against her. On the other hand, nappies show she's an attentive mother. Beer could indicate alcoholism. She'd be better off buying water. In this pilot city of 8 million people, there are only 18,000 model citizens. For Xiao Wen Wang, there are perks to be had, such as paying half price for the bus. I get discounts for all public services, even at museums. And the library is free for me, thanks to my school. A good school brings benefits, but people with low scores lose rights. The cinema names and shames people considered untrustworthy, plastering their details, even their addresses across big screens. It's a matter of principle. Those people have to be condemned. Those people aren't honest, so they have to pay the price. It's only right to pay your debts. You have to blacklist those that don't. The Supreme Court has created a blacklist for so-called bad citizens. Those whose ratings have dropped to zero. On it are companies, but also 23 million people to date. Among them is this journalist Liu Hu. He got a little too close to uncovering corruption among high-profile party members. After being sued for defamation by the subject of a story he'd written, he was blacklisted. But he only realized when he tried to buy a train ticket and was told he was banned from traveling. That tells me I'm still on the blacklist. Punished because he's been branded untrustworthy by the state. Once you're blacklisted, you can no longer get a bank loan, start a business, buy an apartment, or even send your children to a private school. You, who is among a tiny minority of people who have dared to criticize the system, which some are calling a digital dictatorship. I worry, because I think many people like me will be deprived of individual freedoms, and all of us will live with restrictions of one kind or another. After our meeting, Yu Hu learned that his name had been removed from the blacklist, but he still has a long way to go if he doesn't want to languish at the bottom of the social credit hierarchy. And the Lord then said to me, everything will be automated. And what I started to see is that every single conceivable thing is going to be automated to the point where human interaction in daily life will be greatly reduced. And why is this? It's for de-socialization. It's for desensitization. It's to make people see less people. Right now, your children out there are growing up thinking that human beings are made of flesh 
up here and cloth down here. There's a whole generation of babies that think that only their mother and father and their brothers and sisters have complete faces because when they come outside, they don't see humanity with complete faces. They don't get to see when they're looking all cute in their Winnie the Pooh onesies and people are leaning over them and saying, oh, so beautiful. They can't see the smiles. Babies respond to smiles, but this generation's babies don't see smiles. They only see smiles at home with their parents and their close family members. They don't actually know that the world outside has smiles. And so all of this is carefully orchestrated. Why? To make people cold, to make people less personable and feel less connected to the next human being. I know what you're thinking, but before you say anything, get this. This is exactly what you're supposed to do at the new Whole Foods. Because in this store, the cameras and sensors are tracking your every move so that you can just walk out without any cashier. You feel like you're stealing. So is this the future of how we will shop? And is my total receipt going to actually be correct at the end? Today I am in Sherman Oaks, California, where they've opened the first Whole Foods where you can do the entire experience without having to deal with a cashier, without having to wait in line, without having to talk to anyone. Here's how it works. To enter the store, you scan in with your Amazon account. Then you pick up whatever items you want, and the store uses a combination of cameras, weight sensors, and location tracking. So you just walk out at the end, and they literally email you your receipt after you've left. I scan out, and as I scan out, there's a turnstile, and I'm good to go. And Amazon makes a major move. Remember five years ago when Amazon dropped 13 billion dollars to buy Whole Foods? Well, now it's connecting our data as a Amazon shopper with our experience at Whole Foods. This technology is called Just Walk Out. Amazon has launched convenience stores, its own grocery stores, and they're even rolling out this technology with Starbucks. Because I'm not going to go to a register at the end, I can actually just start putting it in my bag. So here at this Whole Foods, you can add the items directly into your shopping bag while you shop. I'm not going to be taking it out at the end, so why not? Because shopping bags are 10 cents. So I'm super curious to see if the technology will actually pick up on the fact that I got a shopping bag. I guess we'll find out at the end. Heck, you can even put the items in your pocket as you shop. Putting items directly in my pocket feels so bizarre. I literally feel like my subconscious brain is yelling at me right now. My fight or flight was just activated. That was so bizarre. I have to consciously breathe. Every shelf here has a scale under it. So every time I pick something up, the scale feels a little bit lighter. And using location tracking, the store matches up my phone to the item that was removed from that shelf. Everything here is so organized and clean because there are literally weight sensors under the produce. So every time I pick up an orange, it knows that I'm the one that picks up an orange. Because of this, the weight of every item must be extremely precise, which presents a massive issue when it comes to fruits and vegetables. Because, well, nature doesn't grow melons that are the exact same weight. But one of the staff tells me that if some of the fruit is overweight, they will throw it out or donate it. This is crazy because parsley is so light and there's so much parsley, so is it really going to know, based on weight sensors and cameras, that I grab a bunch of parts? So hold up, this technology is supposed to make everyone's life easier, but now workers have to weigh every single fruit and then throw something away if it weighs too much? Yeah, maybe this technology still has some improvements to be made. But I will say that overall, it's an impressive experience. Another employee tells me that the refrigerated items are actually not done by weight, but rather they're monitored through tiny little cameras. 
It takes me a minute to be able to find the cameras, but at last, I finally do. They're literally in the price tag. Overall, this entire experience really impresses me. Very controversial new Whole Foods in Washington, D.C. You have to scan to check in. You have to scan to check out. You have to scan to leave the checkout. And then you have to scan to leave the store. Whole Foods is trailblazing the way for the new 15-minute city. In the next few years, they want all shopping, all trade, all grocery stores to be automated. No more cashiers. They want everything to be controlled by AI. You have to scan to get through the door to pay to leave. It's all going to be based upon a digital passport, which will be based on your digital credit score. Your social credit score too low? No food for you. No water for you. No gas for you. No travel for you. There will be no people to protest. There will be nothing to revolutionize again, because this will all be automated by AI. This is the model for the 15-minute city that they are pushing us towards now. I need you to like this video and follow as I keep exposing the truth to the world. And if you listen to what I've said in the last few minutes, increased interaction with AI, because it is a satanic entity at its core, it makes the human being break down. Going into a store, the Lord was saying to me, part of the reason that he would take some of his older his older servants home because, you know, they've lived their whole life going into the grocery store and they've talked to Marge their whole life. Who's the cashier and they know her, they know her kids. They watched her since she was 18. Now she's a grown woman. She's a mom. This human contact, it happens so often during the day that you don't actually notice how much you need it for equilibrium until it's taken away. So when you're walking into a store and there's nobody there and when you're done, all of a sudden a hologram pops up and goes, hello, Celestial, I see that you selected a great pair of sneakers. Good choice. Your, your price is $201. And you look around the store and it's everyone just talking to the hologram, you know, the hologram sales rep. And there are no people, older people, may not want to live in that mess. And so the Lord always shows me this world, and I see how emotion will be a currency. I'm telling you now, emotion will be a currency. So if you are a Christian and you have not read Galatians chapter 5, and you have not read the parts of the Bible that says, so we put to death the lusts of the flesh, the lust, the pride that makes you always need to be right all the time, the anger, the anxiety, even the fear that the Lord says is a sin in the book of Revelation. It says that the cowards will be put in the lake of fire. You're out there. You've been listening to this channel for three, six months. You still can't get a handle on your fear. Every time my notification comes on your phone, you're ready to have a heart attack. I submit to you that you are not going about this in the right way. I submit to you that more time on your knees and more time enjoying the blessings in your life, your grandchildren, your spouse, your children, your habit of growing petunias or roses in the backyard. If you are not learning how to leverage what you have as a way to undercut, undermine, and destroy fear, also spiritual warfare, also praying the Psalms, confessing out scriptures against Psalms, then I submit to you that you are not going about preparing in the right way because demonstrating fear and upset and all these things will work against you in this world. If the Lord does not call you home the natural way, it's not rapture that's taking you out. All this stuff 
of, of the devil, it's coming before the rapture. This is the world. They're transitioning us into this world right now. Ask the people in Australia. Ask the people in France who have recently been told that if they're not going to line up for the third harm that causes harm, those of them who have taken two harms that causes harm are going to have their pass deactivated. Ask them. Ask them if I'm talking about uh, post-rapture stuff or ask them if they think that celestial is revealing by the spirit of the Lord, the world that we are being slid into right now. I submit to you that there is much, much more required. The bar is so high that may we all chew on these things and reconsider where we think we are. As Apostle Paul said, let no man think of himself more highly than he ought. It is the humble and it is those who continue saying, prepare me, Lord. Teach me, Lord. Let me fast a little more. Let me pray a little more. You can fast and no one will even know that you are fasting. You can get dressed, comb your hair, uh, uh, fix your suit and go to work and you can be fasting on a 24-hour fast. No food, no water. And no one will know. The spiritual empowerment of God will have you zinging like a bullet in those board meetings. You won't even feel the hunger. And no one will know that you are working out in the spiritual gym. You don't need to be, oh, you know, I'm, I'm on a three-day fast to get closer to God. You've already lost the benefit of the fast if your left hand has to know what your right hand is doing. These are the important things that will save life. Be wise as serpents, gentle as doves. There's so much wisdom in the scriptures. But are we reading it for online chat or are we actually reading it to hide it in our hearts for the day of darkness and the day of great pressure? There is great pressure coming in the future. And trust me, it is a crushing pressure. So we better make sure that we are hunks of metal that cannot be easily crushed. Upon this rock, I will build my church, the gates of hell, no new world order will prevail against it.